What's up, Maudians? Hey, Maudians. It's Sarah and Jake from the Herald and Modcast. How are you, folks? And we're here with Aaron from the Guinness Storefront. How's it going? How are you? Good. We're at the Guinness Storefront. Yeah, I couldn't about be About to get a right great now. tour. Yep. I got my Guinness rugby jersey on, <laughs> and I'm ready to partake in all the festivities. Biggest fan of the moment here. Yeah, right now. yeah. I'm psyched. I'm yeah. geeked out right now. Well, welcome to the home of Guinness at St. James's Gate in the Thank Guinness you. Storehouse. Thank you. And uh, I'm going to be taking around about 40 to 50 minutes of your time, of your precious time. Please take it. In Dublin. Take it. Have it all. And I'll be trading you beer for it yes, as well, if we that's okay. appreciate it. Yes, we um, do. And what I'm going to be showing you is some of the reasons why we are Ireland's number one tourist attraction, uh, why last year we won Europe's leading tourist attraction. Wow. Why we tell the story of Guinness like no one else does. Do me a favor, because you were telling us before we started yeah. a little bit about, about your background, which I think is really interesting. And sure, I- yeah. Um, I've been working here over five years um, wow. at Guinness. Uh-huh. Uh, over that time, my job has changed consistently. What did you start doing? I started off as a summer job here okay. wow. in 2010. I had no idea what I was getting into. Yeah. As a person from Dublin, I didn't even know what the Guinness Storehouse was. Really? Wow. And I came here and I saw this absolute temple. And, um, it is a temple. It is a temple. Yeah, really I was. Temple. I was happy out, just working away on my tours, mm-hmm. learning how to present, um, gaining that confidence, gaining those skills. Yeah. And over time, I've just become closer to the closer to the beer in terms of its production, in terms of how it's created. Closer to the beer. I like, I like that phrase. Isn't it? <laughs> I can't wait to get closer to <laughs> the beer. I can't. I don't think there's anyone I'd rather share it with. You, <laughs> might, you might even be tasting it. We'll Ooh. see. <laughs> don't tease me. Oh. But so, and you're in. You're in college, yep, getting I'm a degree in, in chemistry. University at the moment. So um, explain that to uh, with, yeah. with within the role that I do at the storehouse, I'm part of the beer specialist team. Wow. So we're currently all studying for our general certificate in brewing mm-hmm. uh, by the Institute of Brewers and Distillers. And Where is that institute? That's based in Britain. Okay. And it's wow. uh, it's a guild certificate that you get, which qualifies you as a grade one brewer. Is it Europe or is it worldwide? That'd be worldwide. Oh, Shit. wow! Yeah, um, in the United States, you have something similar, which would be the BJCP, which okay. is the Beer Judging Certification Program, which is a little bit more detailed in terms of tasting beers mm-hmm. and being uh-huh. able to differentiate between different styles. Wow. Okay. But um, the brewing cert is more about the industrial applications and processes. That's great. And then, um, as well as that, I'm also studying science at the moment in University College Dublin. Um, and hopefully working towards chemical engineering is my Good specialization. For you. So wow. Do you want to take all this into one master craftsman? Of hey, we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm like, young, healthy, and busy. So that's great. Yeah, so why even, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we're standing in the gift shop, which is considerable. And huge I mean, and the gift shop is most of the atrium. So yeah, yeah. this is the main welcome atrium uh, during the weekends and during the summer. This is buzzing all over the place. Yeah. Uh, what you've already seen is our bottle wall. Yeah, explain this. All yeah. of our bottles from over the years. Um, but uh, I guess to your listeners, if they ever do find a, a bottle that they believe to be Guinness in their backyard, it's important to note we can only date it from the label because okay. from the 1860s onwards, we standardized our own labels. So oh. we know. Don't take the labels off. Don't take the labels yeah, off. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if it's before the 1860s, it's a different label, and after the 1860s, we can chart it. Really? Okay. That too, 1860s. So that's pretty incredible. So the, the brewery opened what date for people to know? Yeah, well, actually. Is that part of the tour? We yeah, it's a show. Yeah. Okay, I think let's we should get started. So <laughs> okay. we're going to begin your journey where we started ours as a brewery, and that's right into the center of the atrium just over okay. here. Let's okay, let's do it. 
What's in front of you is a copy of the original lease that was signed by Arthur Guinness in the year 1759. Wow. Wow. Which is older than the Declaration of Independence. Oh. It is. Oh. <laughs> it actually is. It is Here worth is more. <laughs> yeah, it's worth more to me than my independence. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I think so. Yeah. On the bottom right-hand corner here, you can see we have Arthur Guinness's signature. And oh, yeah, there it is. This signature is recognized all over the world at this point because it appears on every single bottle and can of Guinness that we have on yeah. all of the labels after the 1860s. Wow. So this is a method of standardizing our labels. And in effect, that he signed off on each of these bottles. He's happy with the beer inside. Mm. So we always have to give a nod back to Arthur in his own right. Um, we will get to know a little bit more about his early life but for the moment this is really where he started off he signed the lease for 100 pounds yeah. in 1759 for a 10 acre or 4 acre brewery sorry uh, it had been 10 years since it had been used so it was, oh. it was in a bit of disarray okay. and uh, he signed the whole document for a period of 9,000 years I heard this what? I heard 9, this before 9,000 yeah. years so he's a man of commitment <laughs> yeah. from the very beginning so in confidence he's in like, confidence if anything else a man of vision for sure yeah, I can imagine what future Guinness will do like freeze dried like instant coffee or something you add water or something. God knows not in the space astronauts will be yeah. drinking it or something yeah Mars. I mean right now we We've been 257 years into our 9,000 year lease. Wow. So we still have a solid eight and a half thousand years left to go. Dude, the Jetsons will be drinking Guinness, man. It's <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so really neat. For the building around you as well, guys, uh, you'll notice, I mean, it's a beautiful structure yeah, altogether. It's incredible. So all the original steel is exposed. It's uh, yeah, three and a half thousand tons of steel what? that was constructed in the first example of a skyscraper between Britain and Ireland. So this was, a, this was an engineering marvel when it was built in the early 1900s. Oh. So two years to put together between 1902 and 1904. Uh-huh. And two, it was that's not so just that two long, years. actually. Two years. two years. It flew up. And wow. uh, it was only used to house the fermentation process. Okay. So only one part of the brewing process took place in this entire building. And you've made it into like a this whole tour. Yeah, yeah, it's like a compound. Yeah. This is. So. I mean, this, Four I said acres. this to you when we came in, but for those of you in the States, it's like a casino in Vegas. It's like the MGM. It's, it's literally like, <laughs> like the MGM, and it takes that long to walk from the beginning to the wear end. Wear comfortable shoes. It's huge. And, and it's Sprawling. Outside, comfortable so. shoes is a good yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And a warm coat. Yep. And, uh, I mean, you'll see that we've made a few changes since it was a fermentation plant, obviously. We've been a right. visitor attraction since 2000 when we opened. Okay. Um, just that, oh, just since yeah, 2000? Yeah, we celebrated 15 years last wow, year. That's, that's cool. So, yeah, that's exciting. I thought it was a lot longer. No, but I mean, this makes sense, though. I mean, it looks so a new. a lot done in it. Yeah. It's been years. lots of reinvestment to make sure there's mm-hmm. lots of things to see for people coming back. There's always something new, yeah. so it's been great. Well, it's working. You said, what was it on Saturday? There was how many people? Yeah, yeah six and a half thousand people on in Saturday. One day. What are your hours? In the middle of February. In February. That's, that's not supposed to happen. It's been great. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's working, whatever um, it is. One of the major differences you're going to see, guys, is actually right where you're standing. Because yeah. uh, you're currently at the bottom of the world's largest pint glass as well. What? What? How is that done? Oh, I see what you oh, mean. I see it. Yeah. Holy shit. We're so, the pint glass. So the pint glass, glass right above you would hold about 14.3 million pints of Guinness. Yes. Wow. Which sounds like an awful lot. Yes. But where you are right now, you're on site in the world's largest export step brewery. 
which means that every day we produce between 3.8 to 4.2 million pints. Yeah. Which means if we wanted to, we could fill this entire glass in a couple of days. Oh, wow. my goodness. And if you drink the whole thing, you get it for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't say that. <laughs> exactly. No, but you're right. Every bar, we started in Doolin, Ireland, and we yeah. went to Cashel and then, you know, Wicklow, and every pub Gorgeous. has the Guinness logo in front of it. Oh, it's, it's such huge. a part of it's the country. It's here. Yeah. Yeah, well, in Boston, by and in the Boston, way, every yeah. pub has the Guinness. I mean, in it's LA signage, too. Logo, yeah. I mean, everywhere yeah. you go in the states, to the. I mean, I have this theory that everywhere in the world there's an Irish pub. Anywhere you go, anywhere, just about, and just, a Chinese yeah. restaurant, and yeah. a Chinese yeah. restaurant. Those two things. Yeah. But anywhere I've ever been to Paris, an Irish pub yeah. in the world, Japan, like yeah. China, yep. they, there's always Guinness. Yeah, I mean, it's they kind of go hand in hand. It's yeah, it does. it's such I, a trusted brand. I think it's a lot to do with the heritage as well. Yeah. Guinness is known for its history and its heritage, and I think right. Irish people and people connected to that Irish yeah. um, origin, they yeah. ha- they have that that inherent feeling of heritage and history as well. Yeah, you feel it. So there's a big connection there, I think. For a lot of pride. Brand connection. Well, there is a pride, yeah. Yeah, it's such there should a be. balanced I mean, beer. Because a lot of stouts, there's a lot of micro-brewing in Los Angeles. It's become a really hip thing. States is one of the best countries in the world for beer. Yeah, isn't yeah. it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing. And uh, a lot of guys, they do these stouts, and it's a raspberry stout, and it's a chocolate stout, and an espresso stout. But like Guinness, there's no one tone that overpowers the other yeah. as a stout. So you just can continually Completely. drink it, and you're like, oh, I just t- keep tasting raspberry or chocolate. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, they're getting too, like there's something so well-balanced about this beer. I could drink it. I'll probably drink it until I'm old. the old guy at the bar. The you know? old guy. Yeah. yeah, I will. You will be the, I will. Guy at the, the new bar. version of Guinness. As well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. With that new version of Guinness, who knows? it'll never be like the one that you used to drink. Exactly. Yeah, to you kids. Yeah, you kids don't know what real Guinness was like years ago. Yeah, man. This is. But a- um, yeah, and finally, guys, uh, perched at the very top of the pints is the head of the beer, which is the Gravity Bar, uh, oh. which is um, a good forty-four meters above sea level, one hundred and forty-four. What? Feet what? Or so. Really? So that's, that's right at the top. So we'll get there. Yes. But for the moment, we need to be that little bubble of nitrogen traveling right. up through the beer. I, like I love that. that. And we're going to start off on the bottom, which is with the raw materials of what constitutes Guinness in the first place. Okay. Each and every single point. Shit. So All to right. begin, we're going to start with the ingredients. All right. Exciting All right. stuff. You're good at this, Andrew. Yeah, man. You got the beats down, dude. <laughs> I got to see. <laughs> really, really. This is my first day. <laughs> be kind. Yeah. Are you guys recording? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Look at this. Whoever designed this. Like, yeah, this was all done by a design company called Imagine in okay. 2000. They had a lot to do in terms of the, the design and the... It's brilliant. It's brilliant. The layout as well. Look at the level okay? Because it's kind of loud. Yeah, I mean, okay. it's going to be in there, but it's kind of cool. It's cool to have that water in the background like that. Um, right above you guys is one of the original maturation vats for Guinness as well. Yeah. So these were used to mature and blend Guinness over a period of about two days historically. And these were handmade by the coopers and woodworkers on site, and they were hand-cleaned. What? More than likely wow. by whoever turned up late that morning. Yeah, how do you do that? Dude, Clean these by having yourself lowered in a like a plastic chair from the top of the vessel, <laughs> and you'd scrub it with a wire brush oh, no. to clean it for the next batch coming through. So it would take it the whole day. Yeah. But um, it was a part of the quality and consistency that went into brewing every batch of Guinness. Yeah. Um, it was just one aspect that defined the brewing process at the time. 
Wow. So the same quality is, is inherent and it's present, but thankfully in a very different manner to what it used to be. Yeah, which is thankfully, then, so. yeah. <laughs> no wire brushes. No, Imagine if God. you missed a spot, right? Thank it's God. like, oh Jesus. So yeah. um, we'll go to our first ingredient just over here. So, a lot of your listeners, if they're beer drinkers, are going to know about malted barley. Yeah. Um, you've got two types of barley, two row and six row. And generally speaking, what we're using, though, is malted barley. And okay. malted barley is grain that's steeped in water that begins the germination of the seed. And it breaks down starches inside the kernel into simpler sugars. And those sugars, the yeast can later ferment to produce the alcohol. But it also leaves behind a residual sweetness. And it's that sweetness that balances out a lot of the other flavors inside Guinness. Oh. So malted barley forms most of our grain build that we use with Guinness. So you'll see it happening on the screens in front of you. So it shows from plantation to the malting That's cool. to everything else. Wow, the whole process. And we've got generations of barley farmers in Ireland that provide Guinness with their grain as well. Really? Two-thirds of the entire annual crop of barley go to Guinness. What? Wow. It's a colossal amount of wow. stuff that we go through. Jesus, man. And uh, we also use a combination of raw barley as well for some bite, so for some conversion. Yeah. And we use roasted barley. Oh. And roasted barley is what sets Guinness apart from many other beers. It defines us as a stout. Oh. And it's what Arthur Guinness became famous for in the 1770s. Right. For experimenting using heavily roasted grain to produce a very dark beer. That, that color that must yeah. come from the, wow. How is that? Is it done at a certain temperature? Did he I'm gonna, Yeah, it? I'm going to show you this upstairs okay, because yeah, yeah. I'll get it across a lot better. I just want to point out this room, too, where we're seeing... We're standing in front, standing of, like in front of a 20 by 20 or 40 like by 20. It's like a giant sandbox. Yeah, of and barley. And inside are screens in a circle. I mean, Panoramic the design screen. of this... I feel like I'm in a modern art, like the Tate Modern Art Museum. Well, I should it's say, incredible. in Amsterdam, we did the Heineken experience, and I'm not picking sides, but pick I, I'm pick back, sides. but pick I am sides. picking sides. Says the guy with the Guinness yeah, Rope shirt. The guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say that, I, like, this rivals a lot of yeah, like modern art galleries and museums and stuff. This, a lot of people. Yeah, sorry. No, no, no. This rivals any exhibit. I mean, this is like you might as well, I can see why it's the number one attraction in Europe. Yeah. We, we had a call from Willy Wonka in this chocolate factory, and he wasn't too impressed either. <laughs> I, was saying, I was saying to her, I feel like Augustus Gloop. There's like a waterfall of Guinness that I fall into. Did and you see the up. slide at the end? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> there is no slide. There's no there is no slide at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I want a Guinness now, Daddy. Daddy. Yeah, there's no slide. Disclaimer. <laughs> Don't expect a slide. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm the Augustus Gloop of the tour, and you're Veruca Salt. Veruca Salt. Yeah, that's great. So this is the barley. Can I look at it? Yeah. Wow, that's really neat. Yeah, you can bend over and It looks like, how many how many pounds would you say is in here? Kilograms. You think? In this barley? Yeah. Or in this? Yeah. Do you have any idea? I really don't. I think you're looking at maybe about... That's probably one lorry load. Yeah. We just stumped Aaron. 
It's very early in the tour to be It's a little early in the tour. I'd say that's what that's one truckload of barley, but I, I actually can't remember off the top of my head how much a truck would hold. Wow. You'll see them queuing up inside the brewery to deliver every morning. Really? Yeah, wow, look at this. Is that the boiling or yeah, yeah, I that's mean, that's bubbling water through, so all the foam is coming from leftover proteins inside the grain. And wow! This looks like an exhibit at like the computer electronics show. Yeah, like yeah. It does. Yeah, it does. Or CES or NAB or something. Yeah. The way it's laid out. Can we do a quick walk around? Yeah. Have a little. Because this is. Be a long tour. Yeah, I was ready for this. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. I was ready for this. Man of good spirits, or beer, if you will. Yeah, what's this here? This is kind of back when uh, Guinness did its own malting on site. Uh, Robert Street Malt Store is the giant building directly opposite the Guinness Storehouse. Yeah. And in Robert Street Malt Store, you'd have a floor that was filled with small holes underneath, so it would blow gentle heat underneath it. You can see, for instance, one of these shovels has holes in it too. Yeah. So all of this was to make sure an even amount of heat was getting to the grain, and the rakes were to move the barley around and ensure an even amount of water was also getting to it. Wow. So you would gently kiln the barley in order to make sure that the germination process would stop so yeah. you could keep the sugars inside the grain. We don't do our malting on site anymore, though. Uh, we get it all from Ireland's largest maltery in a thigh. Um, so, wow. But, uh, actually... It's odd you should point these out because my grandfather was a laborer in the malting houses what? for Guinness as well. So for Guinness? He would have used these tools at the time. You're a legacy. You're a legacy, man. Wow. That and every other second person you'll meet in Dublin. Exactly. They're all like, you <laughs> well, know, my grandfather. How many people are employed by Guinness? Right now you've got around about 1,300 people on site, on site. Uh, in, okay. in every facet of the company. Wow. So Production-wise, you've only got about five to 600 people involved. And even less than that, directly involved with the brewing process. Really? Wow. So it's really odd. We're, we're now about 45 to 48 acres in size. Uh -huh. But as the size of the brewery has gotten bigger, yeah. the actual process has gotten smaller and uh, much okay. more refined really? in how we do things. Yeah, yeah it's Don't really incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. So how many? How, how, how far is the reach of the brewery here as far as, like, geographically? We go from... From where you are now is the almost the northernmost or the southernmost part of the brewery, um, which right beside us is the hop houses. Yeah. Okay. We've got 13 separate hop houses as well, Whoa. and it extends all the way down underneath James's Street, all the way to Victoria Quay beside the River Liffey, which wow. is where the original coopering yard would have been, where they built the barrels, yeah. and is now where Brew House Four stands together with our kegging plant. Okay. Oh crap. So yeah. it's incredible. It's a massive site. Yeah. Compound, yeah. For, for in the middle of Dublin City. Yeah, yes. well, that's the other thing. Yeah. You guys are metro, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's incredible. This is some rural, like... We, um, just last year, we completed, well, about two years ago now, uh, we completed construction at Brewhouse 4. It was the largest engineering construction project in Dublin City in recent history. Wow. Yeah. And it was done with minimal disruption uh, yeah. to the entire city because that's we true. delivered all of our maturation of fermentation vessels during the night. Uh, amazing. In the night? Yeah. I remember walking out, uh, just at Grafton Street, walking out outside a pub and uh, seeing these, a Garda escort of these lorries with these massive silos on the back of them. Guarded and escort? It, you'd look up and they were they were huge, about a story and a half high, these massive Whoa. vessels. And I'm like, 
Oh yeah, there are. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, that would be quite a sight, like yeah, a moving down the street. surreal, yeah. yeah. yeah totally. <laughs> and here we have hops. Hops yeah, so like loose sight. Yeah, loose you guys, sight. you guys, are, you're from the states. You're familiar with hops, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah pretty familiar. You know, yeah. The American beers nowadays are really famous for their hop content. Yeah. Um, but Guinness uses slightly different styles of hops. Mm -hmm. You, generally speaking, have English style and American. Oh. So okay. English style usually give a little bit more herbal, earthy um, spice to beers. Oh. Whereas American are known for very strong tropical fruit aromas yeah, yeah. as well uh, and that inherent spiciness too really but um guinness uses old english style bittery hops so the style of hops are after uh, generally contain high levels of alpha acids and alpha acids are where you get that tingling bitterness down the back of the throat when you take that first sip of guinness yeah so that bitterness is what gives us a nice balance between the strength of the roast and the sweetness of the malt and that's where all that balance comes together. It's insane. So what you're looking at at the moment are just mock-ups of what the hops look like. Tall vine-like plants. Yeah. We get our hops from all over the world as well, as far as Australia and New Zealand, um, to the Pacific Northwest in the US, near Washington and Oregon. Really? Um, and even uh, the south of Britain near Kent is where we get all our hops from. And so they grow in only two regions in the world? Yeah, well, very specific band. Yeah. Uh, 35 and 55 degrees north and south of the equator. Oh, wow. um, we can't grow them in Ireland because they need lots of rain and lots of sunshine. Okay. Wow. Um, we get one of those far more than the other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how, what, what hops did you use like originally then in like the 1800s? Yeah, back in Arthur's time, he probably would have been able to source some of them from the south of Ireland. Yeah. Near Cork. But uh, more than likely, he would have imported a lot of them from Britain. Imported from Britain. Yeah. Fucking hell. So, uh, how did he choose the hop? Like, how did he make his decision? Yeah, it's um, hop growers and, and hop masters, I guess. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they're an odd folk, so they are. But um, they have an amazing inane ability to just pick. These are, think of these as little green pine cones. Yeah, yeah called, that's what they look like. Yeah, they're, they're really kind little, of interesting they're looking flowers plants. or buds, but they're yeah. really yeah. like pine cones. Like and when cone. you rub them between your hands, they release essential oils from lupulin glands inside that are filled with these oils that are hugely aromatic. Yeah. So when you rub them, you get a huge aroma off them, which allows you to assess the freshness and the aroma oh, wow. from the variety of hop that you have. Whoa. So if you get really good at this, you'll be able to pick apart different hops just by the aroma. Scent, yeah, by scent alone. But it's hard to do. It's that, quite difficult. Yeah, um, yeah that's right. the level that, that it's on. That's the level, dude. You know what is really apparent when you talk about this, which I love, is that you clearly love working here. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, there's like such a, like, I, I'm, yeah. I'm guessing everybody who works here feels that way. We're, we're all, you know, uh, there's a great sense of community. There's a, a really good sense of family within the staff as well. Yeah. That's so great. At the end of the day, when you're you got seven thousand people coming in the door, yeah. As a team, you're all in it together. Like each other. <laughs> yeah. That brings you together. You're relying on each other to do a good job. Right. So yeah. That's, yeah. Of course. That's it. Yeah. It's what what it is. Oh, well, I'm impressed. Brilliant. Yeah, I am. And we haven't even gone through. Yeah, we are literally yet. in the first yeah. part of the we're tour. Yeah. First floor. For God's sake. Yeah, we're already like whoa. Thirdly, guys, is our yeast. So our yeast is a, it's a live ingredient. Um, as you know, it feeds on the sugar to naturally fermented to alcohol and carbon dioxide, so it makes your beer fizzy too. Um, okay. The type of yeast that we have is said to descend from the original strain that Arthur used in his time, which is kind of hard to believe because back in Arthur's time, no one knew what yeast was. It was only in the advent with Louis Pasteur 
in the 1860s. You've probably heard of the pasteurization oh, yeah. method. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what Louis Pasteur is famous for. Wow. And he identified the importance of yeast in the production of beer. Yeah, yeah. So wow. from the early 19th century, according to our own logbooks, we have used the same batch of yeast from one brew into the next. And that was about an effort with Guinness to maintain consistency over a really long period of time. Yeah. And that is the strain of yeast we use to this day. We take it from a cryogenically frozen master culture on site in our QT labs what? that's grown up to a small agar plate into a tiny conical flask to a 30 litre keg to a 50 litre keg to some of the largest fermentation vats that stretch wow. to about three stories high. What? And every brew that we do on site at St. James's Gate uses a cropped yeast from this supply and is added and fermented for about two days. Wow. That's so Arthur was a visionary. He had a good he really plan. Was. What the hell? Yeah, how did he know? He had a good plan involved. Yeah. Simple resources that would come it. back with a bunch of guys in lab coats with flasks <laughs> and beakers and like that's the thing. Brewing although it has its origins with a lot of women in Ireland actually. Really? Uh, women that were the predominant brewers in the sixteen hundreds. Because they would make drinking water or table beer available for their family. It was safer to drink than the water supply. Right. Oh, so wow. It would be That's really so weak beer between one and a half to two percent in alcohol. Oh, shit. But women were the predominant brewers. And that is so fascinating. That's awesome. Within the 1700s, it became a male-dominated business. Right. And from that, you were set apart by how much you invested in the quantity of your beer. Uh-huh. And that's where Arthur Guinness made his name. Wow. Whoa. So, so women discovered beer. Women <laughs> were the predominant beer. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly enough, however, beer has been around for a really long time. As okay. far back as the Mesopotamians, right. the Byzantine era. Right. Yeah. Even the Egyptians figured out that if you left grapes out in the sun yeah. for a couple of days, yeah. they didn't know what happened, but you felt pretty good after yeah, you yeah. ate a couple. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. so why that. is this a big safe? Yeah, so the safe? safe is designed to give a nod at, obviously, the fact that our yeast is a really well-kept secret, ah. the variety we use, okay. but it's also legend foretells that we keep a reserve supply in our director's safe should anything happen to the one that we use from day to day. Is that true? Well, this is a visual analogy okay. of what we're doing. <laughs> so, the safe, the safe we can say is our our nitrogen, our okay. nitrogen vault. That we yeah, have yeah. To keep we it under lock and key. Get into nitrogen versus carbon dioxide on this tour too. Oh, we will get into it. Yeah. That's the buzzword of the day. Hashtag nitrogenation. Nitrogenation. I just learned a new word. That's great. And uh, lastly, with our ingredients, guys, we got our water. So this probably sounds like a bunch of static. We'll get on top yeah. of it a little. But um, obviously, as you can imagine, brewers are precious about their water. Yeah. And Arthur Guinness was no exception. Most of the reason why he signed the lease outside was to do with the fact that he got free access to the water supply which came directly from the Wicklow Mountains, actually. Oh. Where wow. you guys were a couple of days ago. Yeah, we were in Wicklow. Yeah. We played the lock in that whole area, yeah. So right around there is a natural spring called Kulafuka. Really? And all the water is piped from that reservoir to Guinness. Wow. What? So we lie on the same water supply as the rest of the city does. Um, so it's it's been a continuous supply ever since, and it's the same source that Arthur Guinness used back in his day as well. To the keep up. That's those legacies. Yeah, yeah. Like, how do you how do you make that a focus? And then, like, 
execute it, you know what I mean? Well, like, the water supply we get here in Dublin for Guinness is actually really weird. Uh -huh. um, it's very low in anything, any mineral content whatsoever. Oh. So the brewers of Guinness knew this, and it meant that they could add whatever salts they wanted to, to make the water slightly alkaline, which balanced out the acidity of the roasted barley. Whoa. And this allows Guinness to have a very soft um, flavor, very clean mouthfeel to it. Yeah, there's and no texture. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's what really identified Guinness as a dry Irish stout. Whoa. And made it very famous across the world for this reason. It is dry. This is so do they have to pay taxes on that water now? Are they going to Well, that's the thing, because although we had free access to the water supply initially, yeah. um, by the 1770s, about 1775, Arthur Guinness was so famous that he was drawing much more water than the council would have thought he would. Oh. So Dublin City Council in that year arrived at the front gates of the brewery with the sheriff's office and they demanded that Arthur begin paying for his water or they'd shut him off. Wow. And allegedly Arthur Guinness was so incensed by this that he met them at the front gates of the brewery brandishing a pickaxe, prepared to defend the water to the death if needs be with the rest of his coopers. Wow. So, and the only reason we know this is from court records at the time. Court records? Because it took him 10 years in court to fight off the city council. Wow. And by 1784, he was allowed to keep access to the water supply as was written inside the lease. He fought it for 10 years? He's a wow. busy man. He's a busy man. And that's a good story to tell because none of us, least of all me, would be here without that story. Because it was a good indication of the kind of man that he was. Yeah. And he's willing to fight for what he had here yeah. at St. James' Gate. Ten years in court? He, could, he probably got his law degree and then went to court and represented <laughs> yeah. himself. And like, this guy is incredible. He's one of those people, those legends of time. That's yeah. it. He was uh, very much an entrepreneur. He was a businessman and he was a brewer. Wow. So to better understand where he came from, guys, we're going to head upstairs to okay. the Arctic Guinness Gallery and see a little bit more about what made him who he was. I'm going to I'm gonna flick a coin into this. Uh, you are? Yeah. I, for a little, All right, there we're you go. Coins. I'm flicking a coin. It's okay, right? I Absolutely. Coins. In fact, all the coins that you see inside here, you'll notice on the side we have a, a little plaque about it, but this is all every year connected on an annual basis, and it goes to the Water of Life charity, which is based in Africa. Holy shit. So across the continent, Guinness has about 26 different countries in Africa that make a particular variant of Guinness. And wherever we have a brewery, the Water of Life charity is set up to provide clean drinking water for that country where we brew Guinness. What? So we collect this every year, and then that amount of money is matched by Diageo, and then that's sent abroad overseas. Wow. wow. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? You do a bigger that's point. Case, yeah. And one more. Make a wish. Nice. We did it. You have three wishes. Three wishes? Oh, oh, I didn't realize that's how it works. That's so special. And it's going to a good cause. Like really the facilitation, whoever is like administering and facilitating all the different aspects of this tour, to put it together like that, it takes a lot of added thought, you know. It's oh, that was me. Oh, <laughs> I was getting it that. I didn't mean to butter you up. No, I, I totally wasn't. <laughs> I mean, just probably someone who got paid a lot more than me. Yeah, right. So <laughs> I still worry about that. Right, so they were paid in coins. <laughs> oh, cool. You can take a stroll around and see what you make of them all. Who's this guy? This is the real place to be.
He's a uh, he's our usher. Oh, so he invites people into the gallery to try and get people moving a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Um, is this Arthur? This is Arthur. Wow. wow. He okay. looks like the man himself. Very smug looking, isn't he? He's yeah, he is. He really looks like This a... was painted around about the year that he arrived at St. James's Gate in 1759. So he's about 34, 35 years of age. What? Um, looks like he's 60. I know, right? <laughs> oh, look, he's done a lot at this stage. I know, this stage, yeah. It's just that time period, too. Um, yeah, that time period. True, yeah. People always look a little older. Yeah. And you know, we don't know much about Arthur's early life. Um, no. A lot of records over history have been lost in terms of Ireland anyway. Okay. But uh, we do know through extensive research with our archivist teams um, that he was born in 1725 and his father Richard Guinness was a land steward to the Archbishop at the time. And Richard, as part of his duties, included brewing table beer, as you mentioned downstairs, so small beer, okay. uh, light in alcohol, refreshing to drink, enjoyed with dinner. And we safely assume that this is where Arthur Guinness picked up his trade okay. in brewing. Now, there's not a lot mentioned about him from the year 1725 to about 1740, uh, but we do know on the death of the Archbishop, he willed Arthur £100, and he willed his father £100. And with this money, he started a small brewery in Leakslip, just outside Dublin, and he brewed here on and off for about three years, clearly gaining confidence in his recipes and his skills, and he saw an opportunity to move to the capital city of Dublin, and seek his fame and fortune. Okay. And he signed the lease in 1759. For 9,000 years. For 9,000 years. <laughs> How did they come to that number? It's an odd number. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't out of the ordinary at that time for leases to stretch into maybe 500, yeah. maybe 800 years. Sure. But 9,000 was completely out of the ordinary. Yeah. So we can only assume that he approached Mr. Mark Rainsford, who's the other signatory on the lease, on the 31st of December in 1759, the day before the lease was due to be auctioned back to the Dublin City Council, and he gave Mark Rainsford an offer he couldn't refuse. £100 as a down payment, £45 per year after that, as long as Arthur Guinness got it as legally viable as forever would be possible. 9,000 years. That's incredible. So That's so cool. Yeah. Drove a hard bargain. <laughs> yeah, it was a hard bargain. So we know he's a man of commitment, obviously. Yeah, and this was right. also true in the way he viewed marriage. He married a woman named Olivia Whitmore. She was a Dublin noble woman at the time in 1761. And legacy and commitment is certainly how they viewed each other because they had a total of 21 children. What? At one stage as well. So... Now, she gave birth to 21 children? 15 and a half years of her life pregnant. Wow. She was pregnant just yep. around the clock. Absolutely. Now this, I should mention, uh, was a common thing to do in Dublin. Uh, the mortality rate of infants was horrific in the city, as in most European cities. And as wealthy and famous as the Guinness family eventually were, they weren't immune to the situation at the time. So 11 of those children died. Get out. Ten of them survived until adulthood, and they've continued that legacy and that tradition and that heritage to the present day. Really? And so the ancestors of the Guinness family exactly. are still involved? Yeah, they're still involved. Wow. They're, still, they're still, involved. still involved, especially in what we do at the Guinness Storehouse in terms of telling the story and really getting across that heritage. Uh-huh. And many of the family members have embodied to the charity and philanthropy that Arthur Guinness was famous for initially in his time as well. So to tell this story, to emphasize that story to our visitors, we have the different portraits around the room, which you can see here. 
and these all tell a specific tale. Uh, people from different walks of life through different points of history of a way to get it across. So for instance, the coach drivers here. So taxi drivers don't dress like this anymore. But they will profess they know more about Guinness than even I do. Yes, so they do. Be prepared, sure they be prepared yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you'll, you'll tell a taxi driver that I told you something, they'll go like, that's not true. That's, yeah, not, that's no, rubbish, yeah. that is. <laughs> If you have any questions by the time you leave, just throw me an email. But um, he'll talk a lot about St. Stephen's Green or St. Patrick's Cathedral. These are are things in the city, things that have shaped the city that are only there because of the Guinness family. Why? If you go walking around St. Stephen's Green, you'll see a statue of Lord Ardalon. We did. We did. We did yesterday. Lord Ardalon is fourth generation Guinness family. And the St. Stephen's Green was gifted by the British government, because we were part of the British Empire at that stage, to the Guinness family as private gardens. The Guinness family decided to renovate the gardens and open them to the public and donate them to the Office of Public Works, which they still are to this day. Our St. Patrick's Cathedral was uh, in ruins, and it was by Benjamin Lee Guinness, third generation, through personal donations of his own money, he restored the cathedral to its former glory and is now the largest cathedral in Ireland at this stage. And it's beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. So I, I think, personally, that the reason why you see Guinness so prevalent in Dublin is because there is a particular pride associated with how it's shaped the city uh-huh. and there is a connection to it not just as a beer but as a brand in that yeah, sense and there's a family there's a, a social responsibility that Guinness has which is very unmatched and they've done I right by that. the city yeah. they've done right by the city exactly everyone in the city drinks it and so it's like the only thing they could do is there's give there's a back sense of belonging really yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's so do you think so we've got a guy from like Jack the Ripper time. <laughs> yeah. about, and then we have a nurse. We have our doctor at the doctor. back. She talks a lot about Olivia, um, oh. who is an amazing woman, really. Uh, her legacy allowed Arthur to do the things that he did yeah. um, as a support, both emotionally and financially. Um, Olivia did a lot to really help Guinness get to the masses. Um, yeah. And we, we remember her very fondly for that, too. There's always a good woman. That's I love it. the way yeah. I said doctor and you said nurse. No, <laughs> yeah. I don't think you'd notice that. Careful, man. I know, I know. God She's damn it. clearly in a doctor's outfit. I didn't notice these scrubs. <laughs> and then uh, our bartenders as well, or landlords, uh, the pursuit of the perfect pint for our Guinness drinkers is something that's embodied the brand from day one. You're yes. a Guinness drinker? Exactly. I, am. I drank three pints last night. <laughs> Where were you? <laughs> uh, we were at this at film Ryan's. bar. Ryan's on... Uh, on Park 8th Street. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no way. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to pop in there last night as well. That's my local. I'm around the corner. For oh. Are you serious? Yeah. Dude, yeah. It's a great yeah, little been, spot. There, I got their chicken wings. Nancy. Nancy. Nancy, 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 Nancy as well. Those two places we've been kind of... Yeah. Uh, bacon fries. It's like a fried pig's ear. I never tried. I tried it. It tasted like... Bacon fries are... Yeah, yeah they're weird. They're, they're weird. It's like crackling. Yeah, it's like a crackling. Nice Ryan said we got a little bit of a chilly like reception when we walked in. It reminded me of like going to a bar in South Boston because we weren't <laughs> yeah. locals. They're like so. You know, you kind of walked right. in like, what will it be? What do you want? Who are you? You're not locals. Yeah. But then it was all. It was but then cool. after a couple of drinks, they're like, so we started talking, yeah. and it's like you get you get it. Like that's how it yeah, works. Yeah, absolutely. Man. Totally reminded me of Boston, though. It's funny. Yeah. The city yeah. reminded me a lot of Boston. Well, wines really are great. I'm, I I know the guys. Well, a little bit in there anyway, because like I'm in there every so often. Sure. Because um, I'm about a ten-minute walk away from there. Oh, okay. It's, you know, it's it's on the way back from work, so yeah. sometimes 
after talking in. after talking about it all day. You yeah. want to go out? You might just want to sample and just yeah. make sure yeah. that make sure it's still everything. I what I'm saying is true, isn't it? Check every once in a while. Yeah, it's a nice little pub. Yeah, I remember just after Christmas. Um, I popped in there with my, my flatmate and uh, he was like how's it going guys we've got a chiller about 12 weeks ago people have been raving about the Guinness ever since and, and you know so to them they were like you know these are definitely these are better pints than they were before even though even though before that they were the best pints <laughs> yeah they were the best pints then they're better now but that's not quiet again you know? yeah. Yeah, that's so, so funny. actually that's a good example the way our bartenders our pubs yeah. have looked after Guinness they've caretaken yeah. the delivery of Guinness they care is a huge it. part about why yeah. we're such a success and such a success it's in always something too. that we're mindful of yeah. definitely in the States too yeah. I mean there's, a, there's definitely a they take care yeah. and treat it the Guinness, Guinness drinkers have a pursuit of quality yeah. that is, is not present in other brands of no. beer. I think that's beers are just like yeah. crush the can on your head kind of beers, yeah. you know what I mean? You know, I think that's driven Guinness to do better. Yeah. So I think that it's hand in hand. It is hand in hand. It's such a strange Boy, feel. my dad wishes he were here. This room, we should say, is really interesting. It looks like an art gallery. And all the pictures are moving flat screens. We should say that that room we were just in is really interesting. Yeah, the whole. It looks like an art gallery. It's shaped, and then all of the pictures are moving flat screen images of people giving perspectives on their, you know, relationship with the brand and the beer. Whoever did your marketing and layout of all this is a genius. It's genius. (laughs) Really well done. It's so interactive. All right, brewing. Yay, brewing. brewing. Now, I should mention, generally speaking, we don't do guided tours of the production facilities okay. uh, for a number of different reasons, particularly since 2001, uh, under export regulations, particularly if you supply foodstuffs to the United States, you can't allow anyone on your manufacturing site without security tagging or ID. So, obviously, that would be a pain in the face for yeah. all the visitors that we get. So it's only under special conditions. Sorry. I'll go above board. I'll go above board. He's at work right now. We're, we're not. You know. We are. Well, we are. We're just we a little more casual. We expletive. Expletive. Expletive face. Um, so there's also loads of other things like health and safety, quality control, all this kind of stuff. Right. So as a way to kind of get across our brewing heritage, all the vessels you see on this floor have at one point been used to make Guinness okay. at St. James's Gate. And this is how we explain the brewing process. To our self-guided visitors, there's a, one of our brewers on the screen who will detail one of the processes as they go along. Okay. But obviously I'd like to give you a little bit more detail than what he goes into. And where that begins is with the roasting of the barley. Okay. So I mentioned this downstairs really briefly. Yeah. What you can see right in front of you this is a simulation of one of the roasting drums that we have. We've got about three of these on site. Colossal drums that roll around. They roast the body at about 232 degrees Celsius, well over 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Holy shit. Wow. Uh, which is the combustion point of barley. Oh. So in order to prevent any fires or explosions happening, cold water is sparged into the vessel to rapidly cool the barley down. You were right in time with the video. Yeah. Yeah, that was... <laughs> I totally meant that. Yeah, I, that was incredible. And, uh, <laughs> cold water is... Go now. Yeah, no, yeah. 
and uh, this this allows the barley to be cooled at just the right temperature. It starts a reaction that browns into a really dark chocolatey coffee brown. Uh, and at this point, our brewers come along and they cut the kernel in half to make sure it's fully roasted all the way through. So if you see just on the top screen, just over here, this is one of our roast masters taking a little sample. Whoa. This is something that's passed down from Roastmaster to Roastmaster. Really? Since Arthur Guinness's time as well. It oh. takes a really good expert eye to judge when this is finished. So as good as I am, I wouldn't be able to tell you when your roasted barley is good for Guinness. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's if you time it right when you leave the brewery, you can smell this on the air. It's this beautiful, exotic coffee aroma that wafts all over the brewery. It's amazing. There's an old video we're seeing here, too, of Roastmasters from, yeah. I don't know, what time period is that? This would be, all these are around about the 1950s, thereabouts. That is 1950s? Yes. Wow, it looks so much older. And then there's a more modern-day version of it. Yeah. So you'd have the lads... Uh, yeah, so this is how they'd assess the barley this time. They'd stick a plank underneath where the barley's coming down. Wow. And you'll see the, to heat it up, they're literally they're flicking wooden sticks into the fire. So health and safety is non-existent at this point in history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no explosions, no fires. It's like, that's imminent. Oh, it's crazy. It can happen at any time. Oh. Offer a beverage. I love it. That's, that's commitment. Just for a tasty beverage. So once we've got all the grain we need, guys, these are then uh, cracked in a mill. See, the old mills. You'd have big steel or copper drums inside, which would crack the kernel in half, which would allow water to get into the sugars inside the grain. So uh, this is what's known as grist at this stage. Grist is then added into our massive mash vessels. And these are, these are quite rare nowadays, actually. These are, these are called lauder tongues. So they... A mash vessel is basically where you keep the grain and you add hot water on top uh, and it activates enzymes in the grain which can which break down those sugars mm-hmm. and, and it, it allows the yeast to, to better access those sugars inside. But a lauder tone allows you to filter the water off once it's finished after about an hour or two and all the spent grain is then left on top. Okay. Oh. So you can see the way the arms stirred around they increase the surface area. They give you the maximum yield of all the sugar that you need. So your first runoff is what's called high-gravity wort. So it's very high in sugar content. And it's usually very suitable for producing high-alcohol beers. So with Guinness, all of our brewing is done at high gravity. And then we can use that high-gravity wort to produce any of the beers that we have on site. Okay. So it's an absolute mastery of the brewing process, wow. what we have nowadays. All the spent grain is sent back uh, as feed to animal farmers. Uh, really? or Yeah, or dairy farmers, for yeah. instance. So if, have, you, have you guys had any... Well, do you eat meat at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you've had an Irish beef burger or a steak, yeah. it's usually pretty good quality. Yes. And Irish beef and dairy is usually very highly prized. And this is why. Because they get Guinness barley. Are you serious? <laughs> That's incredible. So let's let's recap this. Yeah. Guinness gives the coins that have been tossed in their fountain yeah. away to help... For yeah. drinking water. For drinking water. In Africa where we have breweries. And they also give away... The, for the, the to grain. grain to grow crops so that you can have better feed animals, feed animals to have, have better meat. Prize dairy and beef. And That's incredible the way they gave the part so Continuous. The yeah, it's all continuous. It's like a circle of life. It's like the freaking Lion King here. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you are, when your output is 
is what it is for a small market like Ireland then you have to use any of the effluents, any leftovers as responsibly as possible. Well, That's you, fair. Because you it's should. a small market. There's so. a yeah. lot of pe- companies in America that don't do that at all. No, Not only do they the do that, do yeah. they do completely the opposite. Yeah. yeah just take and take and take and so take. So this is burn. very impressive. Yeah, this is yeah. like Mufasa. That's one of the major reasons <laughs> yeah. why there's been a huge shop, hop shortage over the last uh, number of years, since about 2010, 2012. Yeah, um, because of the huge amount of crap breweries coming in at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So, because everyone wants hops. Yeah, yeah. that IPA. Yeah. There's not enough hops to grow. Yeah, like, <laughs> so. there's only so many hops, and people just want to burn through it. That's it's, it. It becomes so trendy that they're just trying to get on a sort of gravy train thing, and they don't even care about the end result. Or so, yeah. you know, there's there's a lot of great beers out there, but uh, there's there's a lot of mediocre ones to get through as well. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the culture at the moment with beer is great. Yeah. And it's a good time to be in beer yeah. as well. It's it's so exciting to see so many beers like being a made. Beer boom. It, it'd be a renaissance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, really neat. So our next step, guys, for our works is our high sugar solution. So we got to boil it. Uh, boiling is done for a couple of reasons, both to sterilize it, uh, to burn off excess proteins, and it also activates oils inside the hops. Remember the alpha acids we were talking about downstairs? Yeah. yeah. Well, when they're exposed to heat in the boiling process, they go through a process called isomerization. And isomerization is where those alpha acids are converted into bittering compounds. Whoa. So the bitterness comes out through the boiling process. Oh. So we add pretty much all of our hops at the start of the boil. Okay. And that allows us to get the full complement of bitter oils out of, uh, out of the plant. So you're about to see these thrown inside. Also, the vessel in front of you, you'll notice, is a giant copper vessel. Yeah. Called a copper, very fittingly. Right. Um, We had about 26 coppers going up until 1989 in the brewery. So we used them up until a very recent period. Yeah. And nowadays, all of our boiling vessels are stainless steel. Okay. Oh. um, And that was just to match demand and update demand. Why did it take till 1989 to replace that? Because the the turnover that we were doing at that stage meant that we had to have another brewery built before we could swap everything over. And I'll I'll show you the brewery we had, actually, uh, because it's right beside the Guinness storehouse. Um, So you can see the hops floating around there. Yeah. Uh, Through vigorous boiling, their essential oils are added to the mixture. And at this point, you've got a perfect balance between the sweetness of the malt and the bitterness of the hops. Ah. Um, I should mention again, home brewing is done very differently. Uh So much more, um, I suppose, hands-on. You'll use either pelletized hops or fresh whole cone hops. Okay. Guinness, again, because of the scale that we produce on, we do have an environmental responsibility. So we'll use mostly CO2 extract, which is the oil, the pure alpha acid oil uh, taken out. So that cuts down on wastage. It yep. cuts down on any effluent we have from the boiling process right. and it allows us to better control the level of bitterness to brew with a consistency and quality uh, yeah, that we're, we're pretty really good at as opposed to just throwing a bunch of pine cones in exactly, and yeah. because yeah. you have to clean them up afterwards yeah. as well so. what do you do with the silt and what yeah. do you do with the yeah. exactly. it's so it's using the same materials just in a different way yeah. and a much greater technological advantage well that's what science does exactly you know, yeah. yeah it refines it more so. refined yeah so once we have, once it's boiled, it's it's cooled down nice and gently to about 25 degrees Celsius, room temperature, okay. and uh, that's when we inoculate it with our Guinness yeast. 
So nowadays yeast is done and <laughs> it's all very clean yeah. and it's very, you know, white lab coats and it's right. clean rooms. The only exception to that would be, say, aged sour ales or um, farmhouse ales, okay. which are pretty popular in Belgium, where wild yeast is allowed to naturally why, interact. Why popular in Belgium? Was that the Hefeweizen? Um, Hefeweizen is like a wheat beer. Yeah. Oh, okay, so yeah. That, that uses a specific style of yeast, which is really famous for its clove notes. Yeah. Uh, and wheat is used to give a high head because it's got lots of leftover proteins, which produces that foam on top. Yeah. Um, but when we talk about sarahs and, and uh, farmhouse ales, okay. it's more to do with, with wild yeasts and bacteria that, oh. that gives sour cultures to the beer as it feeds on the sugar inside. So what you have sitting in these basins is high sugar um, liquid. It's it's food for basically any microorganisms that come along. Okay. So the first thing you want to do is introduce the things that you want inside it, okay. which would be our Guinness yeast. So historically speaking, this was how Guinness was fermented, using open fermentation. Really? So you wow. would... It was known as the magic stick. Yeah. So you would take your magic stick from one open fermentation vat and you'd stick it into a new one and magically beer would begin to grow. Oh, wow. Because what you're doing is you're taking yeast from one batch yeah. and putting it into Added. the next. So cool. And all you need so, is the one stick? All you need is the one stick. No way. So and it just starts to act. So nowadays it's a little bit more scientific than right. that. We know the specific amount of yeast cells you need to begin that fermentation. Right. But you can see on top that yeah. the yeast begins to multiply and bud rapidly. So this yeah. is a microscopic uh, simulation, I guess, of what the yeast does. Right. And over time, it vigorously begins to feed on the sugar and it begins a layer of yeast sediment or foam on the top of it just here. Yeah. The plank you see at the back that we dragged across the top to open up the, the fermentation again to allow the yeast to continue to ferment. Right. And the drain that you see here will be lowered inside and this means you could collect the yeast to send it off as uh, fertilizer, animal feed, yeah. marmite, Mar- basically. <laughs> this really? is how it's made, yeast extract. Marmite's or, made with yeast? Oh, of course yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeast extract. So that's Whoa. how it's made. Like Vegemite and Marmite, yeah. yeah 2009, yeah. to celebrate the 250th anniversary of Guinness, we had a limited edition run of Guinness Marmite as well. Really? Made from Guinness yeast. Oh, my dad would have loved that. And you can collect it from here and then put it back into another batch. So Shit, and that's the foam that comes so off? So it would have been the foam that would have come off. It and funnels into you here. You collect it, yeah. Whoa. So it's a really different method we use nowadays. It's called cyclic fermentation. Cyclic Which fermentation. is all about trying to collect as much yeast as possible mm. at just the right opportune moment so you can use it again. Shit. But uh, this is what we used to do. So the entire storehouse was filled with these vessels. Really? And in the 1960s, we were home to the largest fermentation zone in the world, which was roughly the size of a barn. Wow. And that's how much beer you were fermenting at once. At wow. once, in one time. Ridiculous. What would the plank look like for that? Like a giant... I mean, at that stage, you would, you would let it ferment off and you oh. drain it from the bottom out. Oh, so, that's how you yeah. do it? Of course. Yeah, I guess. So the, whole, the building is so big because it would rely on gravity to yeah. do a lot of drainage. Oh, of course. So, yeah. Golly. The process. Is and then, the lastly, beer. then we have our maturation, guys. Yeah. Yeah, we're walking around in big barrels. Big old vat. Wooden vat with metal frames. What do you call these again? Forget. Yeah, your rings. Your rings, yeah, the barrel rings, yeah. Uh, traditionally, uh, Guinness did use American oak, nearly always American oak. Really? For, it's very neutral wood, oh. so it wouldn't affect the beer as it's aging inside. And they would export that from America. 
they would or import it. Yeah, yeah. And we let season for about five years or so. Shit. Uh, and right at the window here is Brewhouse number three. Named the Brewhouse number three because it is the third Brewhouse since the signing of the lease. Is it? And oh, no way. Yeah. Uh, directly behind that one is Brewhouse two. Okay. And that's when, so we moved all of the stuff in, inside here. So the stainless steel kettles, the yeah, boiling vessels on the left. That is so cool. They extend about two stories underground. Wow. And to the right of them are called upper backs, which are little storage tanks when the kettles are in use. Oh, uh, in front of them, the acid and caustic tanks are cleaning agents yeah. for industrial breweries. Uh-huh. The four blue silos on the top left are the whole grain headers. That's where all our grain is kept prior what? to being milled and added into the brewing process. What? And the silver tanks to the left here are the maturation vessels for the pilot plant brewery. Whoa. So the pilot plant. Those right over there? Yeah, okay. the ones right in front of The spiral staircase? Yeah. Uh, the pilot plant is where we, like a pilot show, we conduct limited edition beers to see what works and see what doesn't. Yeah. Uh, we'll open them to, you know, tasting panels, see what kind of reaction we get. Uh-huh. And this is where it starts off. So things like Dublin Porter, West Indies Porter, Hophouse 13, Guinness Gold Nail, and the Guinness Nitro IPA. Yeah. So uh, as well as yeah, American Blonde. They would have all started off. Yeah, the, the Guinness Blonde. The, yeah. Those are all released in the states. They'll be. They'd all start here. Really? What is the reach of this specific brewery? Like, do you guys? How far out does? beer go from here? Is it just for Ireland or is no. it... Nearly all of the Guinness draft yeah. produced. So the pint, the nitro pint. Uh-huh. The, the can. Nearly all of it in the world is produced here. What? Wow. Yeah. Bugger. No so way. All the Guinness you guys can get in the United States is the exact same liquid yeah. that's coming from this brewery. That's with incredible. the floater in it, with the nitro. Yeah, with the ball and all. Yeah. Even if it's in keg, it's Even from this brewery. Yeah. <laughs> from this keg. Yeah. From this brewery. This brewery. So how how many do, do those uh, actual tanks hold? Like how many gallons or how many? Uh, yeah, we produce um, on average. We'll finish three brews a day. Okay. Uh, each of those brews, if you're talking a total amount of about three million pints, you're wow. talking up to three million pints. Yeah, you're talking about a half a million liters in each batch wow. of Guinness produced, and it's about three a day. Yeah. So point point five to point eight. Hectoliters. Hectoliters. Do you have any numbers on how much Guinness is consumed every day? <laughs> yeah. As far as you know, uh, the equivalent of 10 million glasses of Guinness are enjoyed every day. Wow. Whoa. But that being said, stout is a very small representation of the beer market. Right. It's true. It's only about 2% of the beer market total. Uh, yeah. Lager still dominates as the most enjoyed. But if there's a stout that represents the stout market, it's Guinness. You guys yeah. have cornered it's the stout market. Yeah. Well, it's like the Kleenex of the stout. Of stout you know? <laughs> the, <Kleenex. laughs> the first thing you think is Guinness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the Band-Aid of stout, you know? <laughs> oh, cool. So, uh, where are we now? So, after that, all that, we're only level one. Wow, we're only level one? <laughs> and I see the glass. I really see how it's going up yeah. the giant pint glass. Yeah, this how clever. Really and it's like really well thought out. There's a little cafe. There's a, there's yeah. a huge you like a coffee, gift shop. A bunch of tables you can sit around by the, the glass and look down at it. It's real. It's real tourist friendly. It's tourist really friendly, people friendly. people friendly. It seems like really like easy to get around for high volume days. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know? I can um, imagine this being 
chock a block of people. It can get it gets tight, but we're aware of that too. Yeah. And it's the next thing we're looking at doing. By 2018, we're going to have something pretty significant in terms of expansion. No really? I'm not sure I can tell you though. But yeah, yeah. It's going to be good. We're recording. It's yeah, gonna be good yeah. <laughs> Is it going to be here still? It's going to be, be a second location. Here. We'll still be here. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Shit. But um, okay, that's yeah. but you might you be to, somewhere else too. All right. Don't divulge too much. <laughs> so uh, I watched the Conan O'Brien episode when he came here. <laughs> and I got so excited because yeah. we were going to go and he was like having a laugh and taking the tour and stuff and it looked what's, so much fun what's so funny about that as well is the, the tour guide that's with him Kira yeah. uh, Kira is probably one of the, the bubbliest loudest yeah. uh, friendliest people that I know that yeah. I've met in my life and you know and, her oh yeah oh, shit. absolutely <laughs> but for the, the whole setup they wanted her to be very dry yeah. and very you know, standoffish. She was, yeah. And it, she was, it's so yeah. not her character. Oh, so no. we got a really good laugh out of it. Yeah, the whole time she's like, take it seriously. And, like, yeah, she really seriously. Like, yeah, like flat Whereas, Yeah, because he wants her to be the straight man. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Whereas she would probably be doing pull ups with him yeah. on the beam. The stuff he was know, doing so. is so much fun. Yeah, so <laughs> he would be right there. Let's get your, what your happiest, friendliest, bonus That's person. It, yeah. How did she get picked as the person who did it? How did that him? work? Did I don't know. It, it just came about. Just came about. You yeah. know, she uh, she's from um, Dundalk as well, so it's probably something to do with the accent. I've got quite a clean Irish accent. Yes, you you've do. Probably seen. Yeah. yeah. Which is very handy for talking to people from all over the world. Yeah. Because people generally understand what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's very very clean. You meet some of the other guys now upstairs. And, it's a little you know, bit. Yeah. West Cork. Oh, like it's a bit fast and furious, <laughs> and it's all like oh, oh way, yeah, they're going. Right. You're right there, no. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it really flows together. Yeah, no, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. So. Yeah, all right. Uh, so on this floor, guys, um, I'm not gonna. I'm actually not gonna take you around this one just yet because I want to make sure I get as much of the the really cool stuff in. Okay. Um, sure. But later on, I mean, if you have time, you can pop back down and see it. Okay. Yeah. Um, just to tell you what's here uh, is our cooperage first off, so our barrel makers. Uh-huh. Um, Coopers were very much the elite tradesmen of the day, and with Guinness, we employed over half of the Coopers working in Dublin at what? the time. Wow. Inside here, we have archived footage shot in 1954 yeah. of one of our master coopers demonstrating the process that goes into producing a single barrel. Oh, and at its peak, we had about 300 master coopers producing 1,000 casks every single year. Or sorry, every single week. Every what? week? Yeah, every week. Yeah. <laughs> so that was to match an output of 5 million barrels a year. A year, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, Holy shit. So, and so it's a great video if you have the chance to check it out. And on the other side, then, we have the transportation of Guinness, uh, which is basically the history of transport. So um, from horse and carts through to the motorized cart, to shipping lanes, planes, trains, automobiles, Guinness has used them all. That's fantastic. So we have little mock-ups of our ships over here. Um, We were the only brewery in the world to have our specially commissioned fleet of ships from 1898 onwards. What? Uh, the last ship went out of commission in 1993. Oh, wow. As well. 1993? Yeah. Of the original ships. Of the original. Uh, the Miranda incredible. Guinness, 1977 to 1993. Wow. Miranda Guinness? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Really, like, Guinness Arthur Guinness is sort of like a... Are they museum somewhere? Like, uh, are they... No, are they sadly enough, uh, the cost involved in, oh, in actually bummer. keeping them was... There's still one at the bottom of the River Liffey, actually. Really? No way. One of the Liffey barges is still at the bottom. We were approached by a guy about two years ago about raising it and uh-huh. doing a, a kind of Guinness barge tour. Yeah. The problem is that River Liffey is a tidal river. 
so you can only do tours twice a day. Oh, oh no way! <laughs> so it doesn't really work. Yeah, it wouldn't be uh, viable. Um, that's funny though. But Arthur Guinness was really like a Henry Ford. He was kind of he at really the forefront was. of a <laughs> yeah. lot of a lot of. He you knew know, where it was going. Yeah, sure. he knew where it was going. Real visionary. And uh, then on the right hand side, probably good to get a snap of it is uh, our Maid of Moor monument, which oh, yeah. is kind of the it's the pines. Do you want to take a look? at Yeah, it? let's have a look. Yeah, sure. Um, so this was installed about two years ago, two or three years ago two now. Two or three years ago. And um, it basically oh, it emphasizes the fact that inside every pint of Guinness there's a huge story. There's a, and there is that kind of that history. Yeah, there is. Oh, shit. Look, all the different parts of the world are represented. So, yeah, it has the different continents where Guinness opened up in. Yeah. Some of the mascots we've used over the years, including the harp and the toucan is there too. Uh, some of the legends and advertisements, like the horses. Yeah. Um, this signifies the popularity of ale within the community at the time. It yeah. was very much a central focus, not because it was a beer, but it brought the community together in terms of the pub being the central hub. There's a lot of that. Like it's really communal, yeah. community-based. Uh, you'll see on the side there's the grain being set ablaze, yeah. which indicates the inspired use of roasted barley being used in beer. Yeah. And it all starts with one signature at the very bottom. There. I wanted to ask about that. What is the cultural significance of the toucan? Is it just a, they chose a bird, or is, is there any like actual? Well, that's exactly it. They they chose a toucan in the same way that when you look at it, you went, "What? What's? Why, why is, is that it a toucan?" toucan? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Guinness! That no. doesn't make any sense, and yeah. it just sticks with you. It did. You know, like no, there no, is no, there is no, there's no there like is, he had a pet. It's toucan not like they're or, native to Ireland or anything yeah, like that. Because they're totally not. I know. Yeah. That's not like the national bird. You know, or, yeah. people in Britain and Ireland had never seen a toucan. It was a very exotic mascot to use. Oh. And with the advent of color newspaper advertisements, yeah. it was a really striking bird. It stood out to yeah. have, and it popped out straight away. Well, it has so. a pint on its beak. It's like delivering it to you like a baby yeah. and a stork kind of thing. Yeah, like, if he can say as you can, Guinness is good for you. How grand to be a toucan? Just think what toucan do. Is that what the that's the rhyme? Yeah. Oh, that's so. That's imagine what toucan do. Dude, that's very uh, clever. That's I mean, this is funny, cool marketing. I guess that's enough. That's all it needs to be. This is cool. If you see up yeah. there, Sarah, can you see that? So there's like a pine in Mount Everest up there and stuff, or something. Right at the top, then you've got little figurines of Arthur Guinness. Oh. So he's reaching the new heights, oh. and it's just kind of to try and capture the fact that. Guinness continues to innovate, continues to challenge itself, but you know, with the market ever changing, we're still being challenged by sure. by new mountains. There's it's, always new mountains to climb. It's always good, yeah. Yeah, and then that's the head. Then I take it on top, and that, like, the weaving or? head at the top. Wow. No, you say those know, are like right? community work. So right. these would be these would be the brewers. These would be the the men who used to drink ale, and the popularity okay. of ale right. in Britain and Ireland was was really huge. But um, the pub was not just a pub in Irish society. Right. It brought the town together. Yeah, it was the public it house. Was, it was the town hall. Yeah. It yeah. was the. It was where you settled debates. It was where you did your grocery shopping. Wow. It was where you got advice. Um, the pub was the focal point of the community yep. in many ways. So this is to kind of emphasize that part of it, it too. It still seems like it kind of is. It, it is. Kind of yeah. is. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. I'm glad that tradition's still true. On the harp. Yeah, the harp, the toucan, the horses. You go into some uh, some of the towns in uh, in Navansay over in Mead. You know, it's a great, I just remember specifically um, going out here, and it's one one small street, maybe about a row of twenty eight houses, and yeah. there was one shop and two pubs really? and a church. 
and a church as well. Of course, it's all represented. Boom. Two pubs. I love that. It's like One two church. pubs for yeah. literally a row of houses. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. It's perfect. Battery power. We're three bars. Cool. We're good. Yep. We'll keep it. We'll actually we'll keep it moving just to make sure we get yeah, enough yeah, recording as well. Yeah, we're about at an hour. Um, so. I'm going to take you upstairs now, guys, to level two. Okay. Because I want to show you one of the more recent additions to the Guinness Storehouse, which was opened about two and a half years ago now. Wow. And it was in direct response to the fact that, um, you know, we get so many visitors here a day. Right. But we also found that about 10 to 15% of those people never tasted Guinness in their lives. Whoa. Really? So we thought about what's the best way to actually to introduce those people to tasting it is for the first time uh-huh. uh, and it gives us a great opportunity to you know allow people to experience it in the best way possible when they taste Guinness yeah. if you're in the you know one place in the world to taste Guinness you're here you gotta do it right here yeah, yeah. You know? give it the best yeah so we built our tasting rooms look at this so the tasting rooms just before we go in yeah. these are designed to enhance your whole tasting experience by emphasizing all your different senses so from your hearing to your sense of smell to your sight to eventually actually tasting the beer so let's take a look this feels like really walked out I gotta say this is those speakers you guys got good taste yeah the music the light work feels like a fun house and you got the Guinness colors Halloween. A Halloween maze. Like something's gonna pop out and scare yeah, me. Not quite. Oh, I hope it's a fight to get it. Whoa! Whoa! Whoa. This is like a cryogenic <laughs> universe. This is what I heaven like looks like to some like, people. This looks like the set of Logan's Run. Yeah. Or like some old <laughs> or Johnny Mnemonic or something. Yeah. Or like a. Yeah. I feel like I'm on the, the Star Trek Enterprise. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Captain Picard with a pint of goodness. That'd be great. <laughs> Look at well, that's I kind of the effect we're going for, I suppose. It's kind of a sci-fi. Uh, it's yeah, totally future, looks like a sci-fi. There future, these, uh, like, it's a what modern... You, what are these? Enterprise. So what you're looking at, basically, you notice the brightness of the room immediately is kind of... Bah, yeah. And that's to, to reset your senses and get you ready for tasting it. Wow. The columns that you see have water vapor with aroma spun through okay. it as well. And each of these are representing one of the characteristics in a single glass of Guinness. It smells yeah, amazing. Smelling. So, oh, let's check it out. So, you saw the hops downstairs. Yeah. If you've never smelled them before, wow. this gives you a pretty good idea. Pretty floral. Very floral. Very floral. fresh kind of aroma. Yeah. Coming yeah. Out. Yeah. A little bit citrus. A little too. citrus, yeah. Um, with a little kick. It's like this floral just, with a kick. Yeah, this identifies just the kind of aroma you would get from hops. Nice. So Guinness is a little bit of a hoppy note coming through. A little, yeah. And the roasted barley. So the roast is something we do across site. This is a great interpretation of the kind it's of very aroma. very earthy. Earthy. That will be released. But Maybe it's a little, little bit coffee. of cocoa. It's a little coffee, coffee yeah. cocoa. Yeah. Yeah, a little coffee, cocoa, some earthy notes, you know. Yeah, very... So that's, that's a pretty good spot on representation of... do like a ball what it does smell like. Yeah, yeah. it does. Oh, what a clever idea. On this side, we have our malted barley. So Ooh. we know malt barley is high in sugar. Yeah. So there's only going to be one thing this smells like. Yep. 
Like uh, cotton candy. S- sweet, yeah. Cotton candy, like a toffee kind of flavor. Yeah. So. Sweet. And then our malt. I, it sort of smells like mushrooms, too. Mushrooms. <laughs> it's like a... Well, it's like sweet, and then you can smell a little alcohol. Yeah, I first smell sweet, and then I smell something else, like... Well, I think that's like... The, uh, not the fermented, like aged. Like aged yeah. sugar. Oh, that's lovely. That's cool. And as you know, then, our malt is then fermented by the yeast. And as it ferments, it produces what are called esters. Yeah. And esters, it's just a, it's a byproduct of fermentation. These yeah. are they're volatile organic compounds that add aroma, that add flavor. Mm. And the, kind of, the Guinness yeast releases particular esters that identify Guinness. Uh, really, really... Oh, that's really that's obvious. sweet. That's yeah, like so rich. That's rich. Kind of, is a great way to describe it. We should say this whole tasting room is quite genius. Yeah, everything is purpose. Just because you're, like you said, it's all your senses are being activated. Activated. (laughs) This kind of is like cotton candy too. It's like sugary It's like, you know that that when really good wine tasting rooms will have like a box of herbs from the earth and like have them smell like the lavender or whatever first and then you take a taste and... It brings yeah. out everything. Of course, yeah. Because yeah. you're better concentrated on what you're supposed to be tasting. Yeah. So the idea of this, guys, is these four different aspects you should find in any glass of Guinness. Okay. Mm. That's no matter how big or how small those glasses. Yeah. So. Huh? Sure, I will. Thanks. You have a Kleenex on? Yeah. So these uh, obviously get quite small. Yeah, as you yeah. can see. <laughs> so you can notice a couple of things though at the same time. Towards the bottom of the glass we have the colour intact. Thanks. So you've got a deep ruby red inside. Not uh-huh. technically black oh, as yeah. such. Yeah, yeah. No, so yeah, it's the lighter at the ruby bottom. red colour is from the use of um, roasted barley. As we we oh, saw that downstairs already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you'll also notice the iconic head on top as well. Yep. Um, this is kind of where I was talking earlier downstairs a bit, you know, nitro. Um, Guinness Draft has only existed since 1959. Oh. Okay. Even though most people in developed markets around the world know it as the Guinness. Yeah, yeah. Right. Many other people, globally speaking, don't know Guinness Draft uh, because it's fairly recent in terms of its development. So what sets it apart is the fact that nitrogen gas produces billions of tiny, tiny nitrogen bubbles that then rise to the top of the glass and form that tight band of nitrogen across the top. So this gives you a wonderfully smooth texture as opposed to the sharp, dry-roasted bitterness that you get from a classic dry Irish stout. And this is why Guinness Draft changed everything for both the company and for the beer industry when it was released. Oh, definitely. And it made a complete movement towards metal kegs, metal barrels, and pressurized gas being used to wow. dispense your beer. Pressurized gas, mm. yeah. It's a big yeah. difference. And it's such a different taste than the so CO2. We're going to take these with us down into the next room. Okay. Because the next room is designed for tasting your beer, whereas this one is designed to peak your senses. Okay. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I gotta Look at say. This. Now we're walking into this really kind like, of like old looking museum room. Yep. With, with little little steps to keep your beer on. This is really. Wow, look at this. It's genius. Yeah, take with the three. Yeah, that's, that's really neat. So three little fantastic. samples. And it's, yeah, it's another sort of gallery looking with velvet curtains, 
and uh, fringe on the curtains and gold and black and all the Guinness colors and a couple busts. There's busts. There's clocks. It's quite genius. Bells. Bells. Should mention too, guys. Usually, this is a group experience. Yeah, uh, it's probably a bit obvious actually, but we take groups over to sixty people in. Holy we'd, shit! We tell them exactly what I was telling you in that room, yeah. and then we take the whole group in here where they all put their glasses on top, <laughs> and then we talk them through tasting it. Okay. Okay. So the way. So talk us through. Did you have a Guinness last night as well? No, I had a Jameson. Ah, Jameson. Yeah. Jameson ginger ale. Or whiskey. Or just Jameson straight. Yeah, Jameson straight. Oh. What have you, you tried what a is ginger ale? No. No, but maybe I will. I, I kind of like it straight. Gosh. We say neat in the US. Mm. Do you no, have it with ice at all? No, yeah, I... Ice. No. All right. no, 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 I like it straight. Yeah, I like it straight. That's great. Um, uh, Jameson ginger ale, slice of lime. Jameson ginger ale, yeah, right. whiskey I'll ginger. I'll try that. I'll try that. I didn't say that either. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so this is a little bit different to how you're going to approach a pint in a pub on a Friday. Okay. Right? So, and that's the whole idea. So, mm. first off... Uh, you're going to notice the temperature. Uh, Guinness cold. is served cold. Yeah, yeah, very cold. Draft is always served cold. This can change for the other variants as mm-hmm. well, uh, depending. So you can have, you know, extra stout or original can be served a little bit closer to room temperature. Mm-hmm. The draft is always served chilled. And that's to allow the right breakout of nitrogen from the beer mm-hmm. and to allow the right flavor across the palate as well. Really? If you take a nice little breath, breathe in through the nose. Ooh. Make a little bit of sweet note. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, maybe a little bit of a hoppy note. A hoppy. I hear. I smell hop. But it's not yeah, too I much there. Hot. Nitrogen gas does strip a lot of that aroma away. So, but you're trying to just get your nose ready to set you up for tasting. Because mm-hmm. the way you're going to taste it, guys, um, is not by necking these glasses anyway. What right. I'd like okay. you to yeah, do, yeah. you can if you want. But what I'd like you to do is use the same technique as our our tasting panel. Okay. And this is called retro nasal breathing. Okay. Which okay. is a very fancy way of saying that you breathe out after you breathe in, which okay. I think is in everyone's interests, really. Yeah. But um, <laughs> what you're going to try and do, I'll explain it first, then we'll taste it together, is you're going to take a deep breath in the glass, you're going to take a generous mouthful from that sample to pull the dark beer through the head, mm. coat the palate by swirling it around, okay. swallow the beer to taste it with the back of the throat, and then breathe out gently through the nose. Okay. Wow. wow. Not at the same time now. Right, right. It's Steps. very important. Yeah. yeah. One after the other. Okay. <laughs> so we give that a try. As we say in Ireland, of course, slancha. 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 All right. And give it a try. Deep okay. breath in the glass. A generous mouthful. Swirl on the palate. Swallow the beer. Breathe out through the nose. Wow. It's got such a smooth aftertaste. Wow, yeah. And just a hint of hop in the aftertaste. Very hint, just, yeah, small hint. Tiny bitterness. That's a tiny yeah. bitterness. That's it. And there's nothing left. After, no. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no lingering. Kind of warm feeling, though, even though yeah. it's cold. And yeah, you can use that tasting for, for any beer, by the way. Like, it doesn't yeah. have to be Guinness. It's actually wow. a really good way of getting a, a full complement of a better understanding of, the, of the flavor the, involved. Yeah, jeez yeah, Louise. And uh, the more that you taste it that way, the more that you allow it to set on the palate, the, the more you'll get out of the, the characteristics in Guinness. So generally what we talk about is that initial tightness, the back of the jaw from the yeah, hops, yeah. that bitterness, mm-hmm. immediately rolling into the big waves of roast, like coffee, dark chocolate, that cocoa kind of flavor to uh-huh. it from the roast. Mm-hmm. And then towards the front, with the nitrogen gas, it allows the sweeter flavors of the malt to come forward. So you might get a finishing note of biscuit caramel, a 
hint of sweetness coming through off yeah, the back of that chocolate, yeah. you know. There's always a little hint of sweetness. So, yeah, generally it's that's what you're looking yeah. for, but you know, taste is also pretty personal, so that's true too. It's yeah. true too. When it comes to tasting notes, that's where we're, we're focusing on. Yeah, I just, I, it's something I could drink for. I said if I had three drinks, like if you had to choose for this, right, it'd be water, coffee, and Guinness. Because it's just three things that I could always drink. I'll be yeah. hydrated, I'll be caffeinated, and I'll be drunk. <laughs> <laughs> So, it yeah. has its place. Yeah, it's what has its, its, its place. Yeah, yeah. For survival. <laughs> Cheers to that. And a yeah. little extra. So, um, and all of the Guinness, by the way, that we serve in the building uh, would probably, at maximum, about three days old. Oh, when it was really? initially, initially racked from the brewery. Yeah, is that how that works then? You give it about three to 72 hours, yeah. like that. I think we get deliveries every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Okay. So, boom, boom. Oh, that's cool. If we get a, if we run out, then something is really wrong. Yeah, right. <laughs> what happened? I, I didn't leave. I was here all night. In a night. brewery. You know? Yeah, I was in the brewery. <laughs> Just dove into one of those vats. It's lovely. That's a nice gag. So. Lovely. Feeling refreshed and rejuvenated? Yeah. Ready to keep going? Yeah. Excellent. I'm glad I got to clear my nose before we did that. Would have missed a lot of the... Um, for this one here, guys, uh, there is a couple of artifacts around the room. Like you'll oh, see the statues of Benjamin Guinness. Um, Who's that? Benjamin is third generation. Okay. Uh, Art of the second as well. They mm. took up the legacy of the brewing. Uh-huh. But um, this is one of the really cool little things. Because uh, we have our archives downstairs. We have the largest corporate archives in the world open to the public. Corporate archives? Um, but the oldest thing we have in our archives, um, generally when I ask people, they say the lease or the recipe mm. yeah. but actually it comes from around about the 1920s when uh, John Carpenter discovered the tomb of uh, King Tut yep. and in the inner burial chamber they found grains of barley and at that time Guinness was spending a lot of money and a lot of time working at different ways of analysing separate families of barley seeing which one gave the best yield which one would grow the best in Ireland and as a result of this they were one of the foremost authorities in the world on grain analysis so the oldest thing that we still have to this day in our archives is ancient grains of Egyptian barley (gasps) from the tomb of the The inner burial chamber of King Tung what? And that's this? That's, that's pretty what cool. this is? I think it's pretty cool. It's pretty, yeah. cool. Uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. That's it's like one of the most interesting like, things. so cool. I love how the Dos Equis man is the most interesting man in the world. Uh, not really. I know, that's what I mean. It's like, really, it's Arthur Guinness and all of his, like... That is incredible. <laughs> yeah, you know the, the Dos Equis man have you heard that you've seen that have you seen the the Seki Spear and it's like the world's most interesting man oh yeah 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 yeah. it's like totally does not apply (laughs) (laughs) could have been more off it's like I mean I always drink Guinness but when I do I yeah when I do (laughs) exactly I drink Guinness that's so far there's two cans look at that yep that's where we're heading next look at that there to see all that that's what those are? Oh, a couple of Oh, so this is from the original usage? All original, yeah. All the pipe work, all the stuff that you see is here. This year. Wow. You know so, I hate to say this because it's super American, but the two cans look, I mean, like Fruit Loops. You know? Oh, yeah. That's American. Yeah, two cans Sam. And every time I see them, I think of Fruit Loops, which sucks because I don't want to think of Fruit Loops. Well, this is lovely day for a Guinness. I love that. 
I love that rhyme too. Yeah. Oh, It must be fun to work here. I mean, it's great fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, golly. And you, how many tours would you do a day then? Uh, it depends. I have uh, three separate ones today, including a tour for our new starters who are really? for St. Patrick's Day. So. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Like trainee Look tour. Up. <laughs> what was Oh, is that one of the pipes then or something? That's really funny. Uh, you'll see what it is upstairs. Oh, okay. <laughs> so would you say like on a, like a busy day like Saturday, are you like busted ass with tours? Um, I mean, most of my job would have me in what we call the connoisseur bar. Okay. Uh, the connoisseur experience is where we conduct private tasting sessions for oh. 16 people at a time. Ooh, that's a nice And yeah. it's uh, Yeah, it's a really exclusive VIP experience. Nice. Um, the people can pay a little bit extra for yeah, it if they want to. And want to it's uh, 30 euro additional. Oh, that's wow. not that bad. That's not that I bad. mean, it costs 30 US dollars to do a taste testing in Napa Valley. It costs $30 to go to the freaking Coca-Cola factory in which Atlanta, is Georgia. Awful. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it should be free. They're the yeah. biggest company in the world. That's not bad at all. It's like yeah. a, a VIP. It's well worth it. You get, yeah, uh, yeah one of the ten, 10 of us, one of the beer specialist teams, um, we, we use four separate variants of Guinness uh, to chart the focal points of the history and the heritage of the brand. So from the most recent all the way back to some of the oldest beers that we have. Totally worth it. How long have you been a beer specialist? Uh, That's, I mean, it's kind of a, it's an interesting title in a sense because the position itself started last September. Well, I mean, so many of us have been involved with the beer for a long time. Right. And it's like anything else. If you're, if you're interested in it, you're going to look it up. Yeah, And you're going to find out and you're going to... Show you can talk about it. Yeah, so you want to be able to do yeah, that. Yeah, you want to be at that level. Yeah, so. you really seem to know the science behind it. Yeah. I love the man. Science is yeah. You can study it. I love it. Just adore it. Whoa, look at that. <laughs> yeah, I'll show you that. You notice the ostrich? Yeah, yeah. the ostrich head. Did you see that? That was the head. Wow, that's so funny. This is so clever. It's really quite a bit of fun. Yeah, so all the advertisements you see here are all to do with John Gilroy. He was one of the foremost cartoonists and illustrators of the last century, but he's most famous for his work involving Guinness. And it really started off when he wanted to add a drop of humor to the Guinness advertising campaign. Remembering, we only started to advertise in 1929. That's We hadn't advertised before at all since before that. And he created this cast of characters from a circus that he went to see uh, with the first one being the seal yeah and then from that he created loads of different other type of characters like the tortoise the seal uh, well not the seal the kangaroo the ostrich the kinkajou um, the toucan being the yeah. most famous. Yeah. They all have Guinness, so it's a seal the doing pipe. like a trick you'd see in yeah. SeaWorld. But it's a pipe a, yeah. Generally speaking, John Gilroy, as the zookeeper, yeah. would be chasing after one of the animals who, generally speaking, would have stolen his Guinness. Oh, okay. uh, I see it. Yeah, I see it here on the wall. Yeah, or my goodness, oh, my Guinness. That's oh, so that's oh, where it comes I get this, I get it. Oh, so the toucan sort of stood out. I see, because it's all animals. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Oh, the kangaroo is cool. Oh, and there's a tortoise with the Guinness on its back then. Yeah. Oh, that's I like cool. that one because it also nods to a later advertising campaign, which is good things come to those who wait. Oh, that's, oh, that's funny. Because if a tortoise is serving your Guinness, you're going to have to wait a Yeah, while. you'll be waiting. <laughs> and it'll be worth it. But What's this? this? Oh, that is too... Wow. Okay, so this is an oyster. A whistling oyster. Yeah. 
Presumably the oysters are just like get us. Is this a John Gilroy thing also? The Whistling Oyster is part of, I suppose, what Guinness was particularly famous for. It's food pairings of uh, oysters and Guinness Extra Stout. Oh. And these go way back as far as the 1830s, when we have the British Prime Minister, Benjamin Disraeli, yeah. who wrote in his personal journal entries that, having dined on a supper of Guinness and oysters, there ended hitherto the greatest day of my life. What? And wow. Guinness and oysters are said to go particularly well, as the dry-roasted bitterness is complementing the briny, salty flavour of oysters. Wow. So this is our nod to the Whistling Oyster. He's very good. He's very good. <laughs> Dude, that's um, really cool animatronics. Like, it he's, reminds me of, like, Henson. He's also voiced by a world championship whistler. Oh, yeah? Yeah, oh, we spared no expense on the Whistling yeah, Oyster. right, right. We're going to have a Whistling Oyster. <laughs> you want to do it right. You right, know. right. You want him to be the best at yeah. Whistling. The best in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Entering the competition. That'd be funny. It's when it so comes to the fish on the bike now. Yeah, yeah. Um, this, this thing is probably one of the most popular things we have in the building at this point. It's it hilarious. It stems from an advertisement in, during 1996 uh, called Bicycle, which... Oh was about challenging quotes yeah. and taking them literally to uh, kind of call them out and show them for what they wear, I guess. So the whole advertisement depicts um, women doing things generally associated in social roles as men. Yeah. So it's women drinking and fighting in the bar, doing roadworks, yeah. uh, mining, all, taking out the trash, all this kind of stuff. My favorite shot is towards the end, where there's a there's a shot of an empty maternity ward. Oh, oh shit! Because uh, no one's in it. Yeah, no, you know? no, they're all there. None of them are here. And yeah. at the end of the ad, this quote comes up that a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. And again, because they're taking it literally, yeah. um, the closing shot is of our fishy friend here taking a bicycle promenade. Oh, that's so funny! So it was all part of a campaign. Not everything in black and white makes sense. And oh, it was clever. It really rose Guinness up as a brand not afraid to to make a joke, uh, to to not take itself too seriously. Yeah. And it set the path on its way to allowing Guinness to become a juggernaut of advertising, which yeah. it did by ten years. And what year was this? Ninety six. This was ninety six. Nineteen ninety six. Yeah. Oh shit! So yeah, they were pushing little envelopes mm. about the women, men, exactly, gender, gender yeah. roles, especially gender in Ireland. It was a different time oh, yeah. as well. That's the Oh, that's so clever. And this is your nod to it. Spare no expense. Holy shit. The amount of times you see this fish on our Instagram is just hilarious. Oh, the feed, I bet. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. It's all the time. People must be blown away by it. It's such an interesting <laughs> sight. It's really clever. On the right-hand side, guys, we have a nod to one of our most famous advertisements, which is the Surfer ad. So tick, follow, talk, follow, tick, follow, talk. Oh, okay. And uh, this, you can see one of the most famous stills on the right-hand side of it, too. Uh, it's actually on at the moment, just there now. Oh, here? Yeah. What year was that then? That was about the year 2000, 1999. Oh, cool. So this stuff is more recent? Yeah. Oh, with the horses, yeah. I don't remember this one, dude. I remember seeing it, not, in, not knowing what it was, because I feel like I was in the States at that time, and I hadn't drunk Guinness, I don't think. It was pr- still probably pretty young. like a Tarantino movie. It's cool, isn't it? Yeah. I love to put Lord of the Rings or yeah, something on here. Yeah, cool? <laughs> do like, just do like a screening of something? Yeah. 
Something like that. Lord of the Rings, original Star Wars. Whoa. And normally this would be full of people, I take it. Yeah, you'd have people in here just checking out. We only play about three different advertisements just to kind of showcase some of the stuff we do around the world. Right. Um, yeah, people like to check it out. Yeah, I, I, I imagine. It's just a really neat way to see the advertisement. Yeah, it's probably one of the most impressive exhibits. This is our archive bar over here, too, so people can check out any ads that they missed or that uh, they're looking for specifically. Yeah. And you can listen to them, you can check them out. We have all the ones up there. All the ones on the tablet. There you go. The so for you the, can play the harp, too. For the right? real historical buffs, you can play the harp as well. You can play the harp if you want. This is fun. It's clever. It's almost like a science center. <laughs> well, there's a lot of science involved. Look, you got escalators. That's yeah, clever. This is really neat. Yeah. I knew it would be that. I knew it. I knew This is something I had to do while I was we were here. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's the famous red red signature. Yeah, signature and all. I love that red. Alrighty. So before we do anything on this floor, uh, you'll notice straight away ahead of us we've got the Guinness Global Brand Office. Oh. Um, oh shit. And I, li- I always like pointing this out because it's important to note that not only are we the essential operations in terms of the home of Guinness, right. but we are the literal home of Guinness. So all decisions of Guinness go through that room before they're enacted anywhere else. Literally all over that the world. room or right? that I, room. Okay, wow. So door. the global brand team is inside there as wow. well. So, wow. I love know. the way that's part of the tour. That's yeah, it's so the center cool. of operations. Yeah. From what well, we that do. keeps it down to earth though. Exactly. Holy shit, like you're right here with the like people. Completely. Yeah, it's not some corporate high rise somewhere yeah, in I mean, New York. Or... Our team have a pretty good relationship with them too, so we know most of the guys on the team as well. Oh shit. Well they um, should. They should so, know. Yeah, you guys. that's the idea. Super Think of all the people you see on a daily basis. Different people all over the world. That's they it. should talk to you. Be foolish not to. Um, that's really cool. And I, man. I want to show you the connoisseur bar before a session starts at twelve. Oh please. Yeah, let's have a look. Generally speaking, guys, this is one of the most exclusive bars in the world. Um, we take 16 people maximum in this bar three times a day, four times a day during the summer. Wow. Now, when you're, you've got about 7,000 people in the building, 16 people represents less than 1% of the total amount of people we get inside. So this is exclusive. It's ultimate. It's yeah. brilliant. So we're about to go into the exclusive. Okay. Essentially so, yeah. Essentially. So, so this is... Uh, and, uh, yeah, explain with the, the sign. Really, this is where the Guinness lovers, the beer lovers, really come to learn a little bit more about the beer itself, while also getting a heavy dose of the history that goes with what makes Guinness so unique in the first place. Shit. So, connoisseur experience. Connoisseur experience. And less than 1% of the And we thought we had exclusive bars in uh, Los Angeles. Hi, Cal. Just showing it off. Wow. How you doing, mate? This is quite... This is really It's exactly cool. what I wanted it to be. Yeah, it's exactly what we wanted. It really looks like an Irish pub in it here. It does, like but a, a really but, exclusive... But then with like nice future one. touches, it's like craft work with the lit bar. Like books in here, too. It's got like... It's, very it's got a leather smell. All those books are original. Really? What? 
All of them are oh my goodness, look at this. journals, brewers' almanacs. They advertise different materials. They are scientific papers and publishments. Yeah. You'll see wow. the vials of barley, which are samples taken over the years that were assessed by Guinness Master Brewers. The portraits are all copies of originals. The grandfather clock was seated at the brewer's dining suite in the 1920s. Have a look at that. Wow, in the 1920s, the acoustics mm -hmm. in here are really good. I'm just getting, like, it's really clean in here. Like, that's really cool. The grandfather clock from the 1920s. 1920s. Whoa, and then there's the man himself. The man himself. Wow, these see, yeah, I smell leather. Well, ex explain what the tasting would be, if you can, like, real quick. What yeah, would... of course. So, generally speaking, what we'll do is uh, the paddleboard in front of you. Cool. Is where we taste the different beers. So you start with draft through to Guinness Extra Stout or Original, Foreign Extra, and then ending with the Brewer's Project, which is a little bit more of a recent uh, uh, innovation. Oh, yeah. To Guinness, too. And Hello. By using each different one, we just show you different flavors, show you how Guinness can be so different over its its different variants as well. Yeah. And we use anecdotes, we use the history, and try and give people a little bit more. What's an give us an anecdote. Well, say for instance, <laughs> yeah. Are all so these beers for sale or no? Uh, they are, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're able to get them. So let's go, say for instance, Foreign Extra Stone. Right. Mm. Foreign Extra um, is a beer that's particularly famous across Africa. Yeah. All right. Oh. The way it's served, generally speaking, is in these glasses. Right. But Look at that. my favorite anecdote, my favorite anecdote, <laughs> wasn't, it's not even by me. I met a guy two years ago from Ghana, yeah. beside Nigeria in Western Africa, and he knew about Foreign Extra Stout, but he didn't know that we had such a huge tourist attraction built to his beer. Oh. Foreign oh, Extra. wow. That's so so after explaining to him that the origins of Foreign Extra are from 1801, when Arctic began to brew it as an export variant, he was amazed. And his father was always a huge fan of Foreign Extra Stout. He worked in the diamond mines of South Africa. Whoa. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. He left, left the family quite young to try and make a better living for themselves. So he would take a bottle of Foreign Extra Stout into the mines with him. And he would crack it open off one of the rocks, for instance. He'd pour a little bit inside a glass, just like that. No way. And you can see how dark that is. Look at it. Almost immediately. So it's so dark. dark. Yeah. It's so thick. It looks a lot thicker than... Look at that. Wow. What a pour. And he would drop any precious gems or stones inside the glass before shining the torch on his helmet through the bottom of the glass. And all the miners started to do this because it was said that only true diamonds would shine to the darkness of the Guinness Foreign <gasps> Get out of town. Oh, that's so great. And he told you that story? story. So I gave him another pint. Ah. <laughs> Here's one for all your father's service. It's my favorite story. Holy I have shit. no idea if it's true. But it's a story. It's you know? quite a story. And that's the, I think that's the major difference, is the story is what sets Guinness apart. Yes, yeah. that's true it's, too. It's that, that connection that people feel towards it is pretty amazing. And the mythos, yeah, the sort of, like, yeah, the lore. There's a lot of lore. Have Cheers. A taste. Thank you. See what you think. I'm going to give the... This one is very different to your Guinness draft now. This was a lot hoppier. Big floral, fruity nose on this. There's a big a roasted big body in it too. Bubbles are like thicker. Yeah, it's, it's like a, a carbonated beer instead, so it's fizzy. Oh, yeah, it's fizzy. So you got a totally Whoa. different mouthfeel off this one altogether. And there's a way more hoppiness after. Yeah. Big hop. 
big hop. Big roast. Nice. Yeah. Nice, isn't it? 7.5%. Wow. Is it? Yeah. Wow. That's, really nice. That's lovely. I don't know. Why have a good beer going here? You can take it with you, Mom. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is beautiful in it's here. It's great, isn't it? And it's probably so, worth every freaking penny. This is, wow. this is generally where I'd work. Um, okay. On oh. a day-to-day basis. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I do, so you do some tours, but then you're just here? some tours. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so Anya will call on me to do a couple of tours, like you know, uh, for for people like yourself, you know, right. like this. Want a bit of content? Want something a little bit more out of the tour as well? Um, you want to publish something? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And um, I'll either be here or I'll be in the Open Gate Brewery, which is our experimental brewery across the way, where we we showcase our. our pilot brews uh-huh. and that's open to the public every Thursday or Friday um, oh. or I'll be abroad abroad yeah for Guinness um, oh, so you travel for us where do you go well. are you a representative uh, so far I've been to the beer and whiskey festival in Stockholm okay. I've been to New York and Toronto over St. Patrick's Day cool uh, I was in Mauritius over August and Moscow in Moscow as well. wow because wow. you got to New York and Toronto dude yeah. that's cool man Amazing. great cities really really cool Ooh, the lights just came on. Oh, that must have... Uh, Is that motion activated? Have, yeah. <laughs> you can see it's stuck in a minute to six as well. Oh, that's funny. 1759. <laughs> oh, yeah, 1759. Wow. Golly, and there's no... Nothing's by accident. That's what I love about good movies. Like the Coen brothers. Is this a guest book? Yep. We got can all we our s- visitors to... Can we sign it? Yeah, of course. By all means. All right, I'm signing it. Okay, there's only a couple more things uh, okay. I want to do with you. All right. But uh, they're fun, so that's something. You'll see we got our little wall of fame over here on this side, right? Uh, Will you take a picture of me in front of the wall of fame with the beer for my dad? He loves Guinness. He got me drinking. (laughs) Oh, really? It's sort of our little tradition. Um, Oh, well, look. Paul Rudd. Wait, you get Paul Rudd. Yeah, Paul That's kind of funny. He's a... Oh, Sean Penn. Yeah, you can block him. He'll take his <laughs> paw That's funny. This is cool. Oh, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton, he was one of the wow. first guys in the door, yeah. Was he really? Uh, in the 2000s. Oh, Josh, Josh Hamill, Conan, there he is. Will Ferrell. That's Conan, Will Ferrell, Tom Cruise. Wow. Oh, cool, Aisha Wooden and Michelle Obama. Look, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama. Wow. Wow. Um, one, cool. one other thing, I mean, the Queen was probably the biggest deal that we had here oh, as definitely. well. Uh, that was the 100th anniversary since the last time a British monarch had even set foot in Irish soil. What? So that was a really proud day yeah, for everyone. Yeah, she came yeah. here, did she have a pint or did she try she's it? She's getting her pint poured. She's not very impressed by it. No. So we can only assume she wanted to pour her own pint, uh, which is something we offer to all of our visitors, and that's where I'm going to take you to now. Let's go! Before we do that, there's okay. one other thing I want to point out to you as well, which is this one. This is when we were awarded Europe's leading tourist attraction just last oh, year. Cool. Oh. Any idea who these guys might be? No, uh, Guinness? Yeah. Are they Guinness? Are they? Edward and Rory Guinness. Oh, wow. So these are seventh generation Guinness family members. Seventh gen, and they're here to accept That's the award. That's incredible. That's so funny. I have to, we should say the Queen never looks too impressed about anything. No. <laughs> you can't really take that to heart. That's, that's, that's the most impressed I've ever seen her in a picture. Yeah, it's the biggest I can smile. Yeah, yeah, that's because we're all on the other side going, Yay! Yay! <laughs> yeah, four more years. 
Yeah, this is just quite an experience. It really puts the Heineken experience to shame. And I, I mean, enjoyed it. But we're on a bigger scale as well at the bigger. same time, you know. Yeah, so way bigger. I think it's about how you use the space, and it's something we're still figuring out at this stage too, because there's a lot to go through. McGuinness Academy, for instance, is one of the most popular experiences we have. Yeah. About thirty percent of the people that we get with their tickets use them in the Guinness Academy. Really? Yeah. So as a result of that, we're knocking at that wall and we're putting three new bars in. Oh, clever! In the Guinness Academy. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. supply meets demand, I guess. Exactly. You gotta get that demand. Yeah, I can see. There. So what are Still we at right So, now? well, the first thing you're going to get you to do is to throw your names in the iPad just here. Okay. Oh, cool. The reason why we have six steps is because we have one chance to pour one pint for one person, no matter where in the world they come from. Right. So we have to make sure that we do it right every single time. Yeah. So this is why we have a standardized approach, which oh. may be different to the way you've seen it done before. That's fine. Okay. It's just our responsibility to make sure that people's first impressions with a pint of Guinness is the best yeah. it can possibly be. Yeah. So, we start with our glassware. Our glass will directly affect the quality of our beer. So, it's cool, clean, dry. It is the harp on the front and the shape is tulip glass. So, it's wide at the top, it's narrow towards the base. Mm. Step two, your angle, 45 degrees. Like most beers as well. Make it easy for yourself though. Use the gold harp. Aim it directly under the end of the spout, just like so. Oh, really? Yeah. Straight down, pointing at the harp, gives you 45 degrees. That's genius. Easy. Step three. Well, I say easy. I've seen this go wrong hundreds of times. <laughs> <laughs> Step three. Uh, you pull the tap all the way down towards you. Releases the maximum pressure in the faucet. And as the glass fills, you slowly level it out all the way until it hits the top of the golden harp. The top of the gold harp is the widest point of your glass. You get the best texture and level ahead inside your Guinness. And at that point, you stop. Mm -hmm. Leave it on top of the bar, allow it to rest, leave it for a minute. The longest minute of your life yeah. is what it's going to feel like. Uh -huh. But it's important to allow it to sit. And that gets the texture on top of the head and it allows you to fill it up properly as well, which wow. I'll go over in a second. But for now, we'll fill it to the top of the harp first off. Okay. Do you want to give it a shot? Yes. Sure. Yeah? Come on. In behind the bar. Do you want to get a photo? What? Do you want to get a phone? Yeah, do it. Sure. Okay. Alright. So, I'm leaning light like this, right? Yep. Aim it at the heart. All the way down. Oh, sorry. The one beside it, actually, Sarah. Oh. <laughs> all, the way, all the way down. That's it. The concentration on your face is incredible. Uh, that's enough. That's enough. Stop there. Oh, 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 oh. Let go, just let go. Oh. <laughs> well, when you said you've seen it go wrong, horribly wrong many times, there it is. I'll tell you what. Let's try that again. That was a trial, right? Yeah, that was a trial. Let's go again. So. Okay. Same kind of thing, but this time you're going to start leveling it out pretty much almost immediately. Okay. And you're going to gauge it when it hits the top of the gold harp. That's okay. where you're going to stop. All right. Much better this time. Mm -hmm. Top of the gold. Mm -hmm. Just then, stop it. That's it. That's better. 
Nice one. I always worry, is there a name for this? Yeah, um, we, I mean, given this, we call it the settling surge, um, or a cascade is another word. It's like waves. It's like one of those hypnotic almost. Yeah. This, it's really emphasized by the glassware actually. Um, over the years, Guinness has tried to do that as much as possible. If you were to do this in a glass shape differently, like with a, a wide, um, a wide bottom and narrow top, yeah, you'll see all the bubbles actually go straight up. Uh, what happens if people don't use the right glassware? I mean, do you police that at all? Uh, we can't read. Yeah. But um, what I will say, I guess, is that it's going for Guinness drinkers. It's going to affect their experience. Right. And. Um, the reason why you see a greater propensity for for that adherence in Ireland is, is because a lot of people drink Guinness, yeah, but the reason why they do is because a lot of bars actually keep up that level of quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, they do at Ryan's. I would like, see elephant. this glassware, though, with this whole really right? nice... Yeah, the newer ones. yeah you'll really? find them in, the States. in and around. No, not in the States. Um, but some bars prefer the old ones, uh -huh. some bars have the new ones. I like this. So yeah, it's really nice. It, yeah. Yeah, it's they're quite beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's beautiful. The way it settles is enchanting. Do you want to fill yours up? Yes, please. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you seem very taken there. <laughs> this one. Yeah, I'm going to videotape you doing this. Are you? Make sure I So Sarah, now we're going to top off your pint. Okay. And the way you're going to do this is, uh, as you already discovered, the tap does go back as well. Yeah. So yeah. what you're going to do is take your glass back now, underneath, and push forwards on the line. The reason why it goes forwards too is because it minimizes the pressure and okay. it gives you more control. Because you're going to try and get the top of the head peaking in a dome above the top of the glass. Okay. And it'll finish in a tight dome on top. Okay. Your final step then. Um, for your Guinness drinker is to present it with the Guinness and the heart facing forwards and you leave it on the black bar without spilling a single drop over the sides. Okay. Guinness drinkers tend to enjoy a pint with their eyes before it even touches the lips. Uh -huh. So True. this is why the presentation is so important. Okay. So, holding it this way. I'm doing this one? Yep. And just forward on the line. Perfect, just there. And steady hand back to the bar. Watch the end there. Oh, it's gonna spill. Oh, you got it. Nice. Ooh, a little spillage. Got a bit of a tear. <laughs> the, the, side. A tear. the sad clown. It's got the sad clown. <laughs> oh, you got the dome though. I got the dome. You got the dome. Can Good I just, job. Like, go like this and yeah, we just pretend nothing happened. No one saw that. Yeah. Tell me what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Jake, man, you want to do yours? Yes. Alright. Alright. Okay, let's see if I can do this like a proper bar.
<laughs> so careful. So careful. Did it work? I think it worked. I don't see any snows. I think that's certificate wording. Ooh. Oh. Nice. Wait here. Right there, right there. Here, right there. Nice. <laughs> you get it? Okay. And Sarah as well. Thank you are fully you. certified in crafting the perfect pints. It's even on the back in case you need a wow. pressure. Put, put it next to my uh, high school diploma. My college grad. Nice. I did it. <laughs> like all those years of college paid up. Paid off. This is so fun. That's so cool. So, so everybody gets this? Yeah, exactly. Everybody gets it. We take a picture with our camera as well up on top here. That goes to the iPads outside. And from there they can share it on their Facebook or email it to themselves. And yeah do whatever they want with oh, it. That's clever. And that's so at that point, then they can take their beer to the gravity bar at the top floor. Yeah. Which, as you might have guessed, is last but not least. Cool. The gravity. So, if you'd like to take your glasses, guys, yeah, you can finish that one if you want. And, uh, cheers. I am not going to drink too much. <laughs> a bit of a one kick. of us has to stay completely sober for I guess I'll have to drink yours. No so, yeah, you might Darn, twist my arm. Do you want me to carry? Uh, he doesn't need mine too. You don't need mine too. Why not? Because. Because why? No, take the two. She'll have some. Then we'll be fine. Okay. You can get a soft drink upstairs as well if you, if you want to. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we got plenty of options. <laughs> but this just looks bad when I'm holding both pints. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> So, Aaron, uh, how was that tour? How was that tour? Uh, <laughs> I get a picture. How did that tour go? Uh, it was great. I'm uh, <laughs> surprised you're asking. That's funny. And elevators. Oh, it's beautiful. These are cool. This is nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty funky, isn't it? It's a fun little uh, keepsake. It is fun to pour it. Yeah, it's just it's a little bit different to most beers, but um, mm -hmm. like all nitro beers are pretty much they'll go off that same kind of standard. Mm -hmm. um, people often challenge it. They you know, do you really need to do the the two part pour? Yeah, and no, I mean it doesn't affect the texture or it doesn't affect the flavor. But what I will say is that if you can make a better looking quality product yeah. by just taking a minute, yeah, then yeah. take a minute. And Absolutely. I like that. Minute. I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah, well, it it's a ritual as well. There's a mm -hmm. bit of theatrics about it too. Maybe I didn't press the button. Did I? Oh. Oh. Sorry, guys. Yeah. We just didn't go anywhere. <laughs> that was funny, yeah. Yeah, it is ritualistic. Yeah, you know, there's a bit of theater about it. Yeah. People enjoy that too. And the pace. Yeah. It's not like, hey, Budweiser, here you go. Shell it out. Well, yeah, it's sort of like no, way. It makes it special. It's wow, ceremonial. Really Look at this day today. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it feels like the Wonka factory. I'm glad it's in. We're up over the... It's really quite like the Wonka factory. Yeah. Except with alcohol. Wow, look at this. Whoa. We're in like this, this top. Yeah, over the whole city of Dublin. We are in front of the whole panoramic vision of the whole city of Dublin. It couldn't be a nicer day for it. Holy bejesus. Couldn't be a nicer day. So, from this bar, you've got on the south side the Wicklow Mountains right here. Oh, wow. We were there. Where, yeah, yeah. So you guys would have been there. Um, the sun is there right now, but you would be able to see like 
little bit of Sugarloaf. It's a dormant volcano, extinct volcano. Wow. Uh, see a couple of churches as well, church spires all over the place. Yeah. On this side, you've got the, the harbour of Dunleary, and then the opposite side is the peninsula of Hoth, and that's, that's Dublin Bay all there together. So this is the end of the tour. You bring them up here. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank My you pleasure. very much. Yeah, Lovely to meet you. Thank you so much. So much it's to, wonderful uh, to meet you. Absolutely great to have you. Great to meet you. You too, buddy. All right, so that was the Guinness storefront, and it may be one of the funnest things we've done ever on a trip ever. done. We've ever covered for the show, and outside of the show, anything I've ever done just as an individual. As a tourist. As a tourist. As a person in the world. As a man. <laughs> as an adult man. Yeah, so thanks for tuning in, and check out our website for lots of very cool pictures. Cool pictures, cool info. And videos. And videos. Pint in hand, we cheers you Pint in hand, we cheers you, audience. Audience. See ya, jerks. See you later, you jerks. In Dublin's fair city, where the girls are so pretty, t'was there I first met her, sweet Molly Malone. She drove a wheelbarrow through streets broad and narrow, crying cockles and mussels. Alive, alive, oh